Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Spoken and things are about to be broken one last time in this final rendition of Becoming Broken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. What's that? Becoming Broken! There it is. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Hardy at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. I'm John Alba, and you, of course, already heard the Broken! brilliance himself mr matt hardy did i nail it that time uh it was very good yes damascus is proud (laughs) the entity driving my vessel is proud Mm, well we are in a great mood today here on this episode this is wrestlemania 33 the final edition of the becoming broken series as i said matt's in a comfy chair right now a good couch if you will he's got an array of beverages life's good if you're matt hardy I do. Look at this. I have everything someone who needs a lot of uh, fluids needs. Mm, Yes. Well, you are coming to us from Boston right now as we prepare for this week's AEW Dynamite. And you have a tables match tonight as we tape this. I'm terrified for you. You always scare the shit out of me. uh, You you should be scared. (laughs) I want to break a minimum of a dozen tables tonight. We'll see how many Papa Khan has on the truck. (laughs) <laughs> well i uh i'm probably gonna end up texting you after something of the lines of what the fuck is wrong with you so yeah, yeah. i look forward to doing that i hope uh this was a busy wrestling week man this was yeah. a real busy wrestling week because not just AEW, not just ring of honor but also wrestlemania week in general stone cold steve austin your boy back in the ring wrestling vince yeah. mcmahon taking stunners Cody Rhodes showing up in WWE. I I, want to run through this stuff with you. First of all, what do you think of Cody showing up? Uh, I thought it was done really well. And, you know, I'm happy for him. I've always had a very good relationship with Cody. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Cody, obviously, during the pandemic era. We were stuck in Jacksonville and, you know, we would do a live Dynamite. And then we would also tape the next day the Dynamite for the following week. And then, you know, Tony Khan was looking to get a lot of – just, just just, footage and content at that time. So we were doing hours upon hours of dark. I mean, sometimes we would be in Daly's place till 3 a.m. in the morning recording stuff for dark or whatever. So there was a lot of time that I spent with all those AAW guys. The guys in the very beginning of AAW, especially during the pandemic era, obviously spent a lot of time together. So I actually grew really close with Cody during that time. So, you know, it, it, uh, it's, uh, it's always, it always sucks to see someone leave, especially when you're kind of, you know, when you're, when your buddies with you, when you're, when you're, uh, 
you know, you work together, your acquaintances and, and you have a great relationship, but it's also you're happy for them whenever they go somewhere else and they're, they're going to be successful. And it's kind of like they get a new lease on life and you have to do that in wrestling. I, I feel like I'm a prime example of that. Like you can't stay in one place for too long unless you were like the guy, the guy. And there's only a few of those, you know, there's going to be an undertaker. There's going to be a Roman Reigns. There's going to be a guy that is like the guy, the guy at a place, but everybody else, you kind of have to keep moving around to keep yourself hot and relevant and, and new and fresh. So I was very happy for Cody. I thought his presentation was great. It was AEW Cody, which is cool. And also a big, uh, a big hats off to AEW for creating such a, an amazing character on their television, you know, between Cody and AEW. So I was very uh, happy for him. And I thought they, they had a killer match him and Seth Rollins turned the, uh, they really tore the house down. I was going to say, because Eric Bischoff and I talked about this on our new Strictly Business podcast over on Ad Free Shows, uh -huh. that it's really cool, whereas AEW was established as this alternative to WWE, right? Yeah. Now AEW has become big enough that it was able to platform somebody that they were able to leverage their success there into a massive money deal with WWE. I don't think Cody gets that kind of deal with WWE just from working what was Ring of Honor no, the indies, it's because no. of what AW has platformed itself as. And that's really healthy for the business overall. Yes. I mean, and that's that's why you, I mean, whether you love them or you hate them. And people usually do when it comes to Papa Khan, when it comes to TK Tony Khan, man. I mean, he has done amazing things for the business. It is a much better, healthier place because he is involved in it. And now that AEW is around, there is a, a large level global platform, whether you want to admit that or not. It's a global platform that is watched all across the earth. It is nowhere near the entity that WWE is. I mean, but also WWE has decades upon decades on us as well. You know, but like AEW is a special place and it makes the business better for not only the fans, but also the wrestlers. It makes it much healthier for us to to make a living and, and have a great career. What do you think of Austin returning? I, I love, I mean, I loved it. I was so happy that Steve got that moment. Steve was always great to myself uh, and my brother, but he, he was always real cool with me. We had a great relationship. I'll bring him up later in this podcast. I'm sure whenever we start talking about the ring of honor stuff and, and the, uh, the lawsuit, you know, because he reached out to me, but I, I was so happy to see that moment. He looked great, like a million bucks. And I'm so glad he got to have a, a match in 2022 and, and, and it was done and it was constructed in the right way where he looked great in it. And I uh, had texted him later that night and then got to, to talk to him a little later on. So I, I was very happy for him and no one more deserving, in my opinion, than Stone Cold Steve Austin to have that moment. I don't remember if I said this to you or not between us, but this is, whether direct or indirect, this is a total correlation to what Sting has paved the way for. Sting has paved yes, the way early. for older guys to go out there, go out on their own terms and have matches that the fans can really enjoy. It was a no holds barred. Let's go out there, take some suplexes and have a blast. I, I agree. And staying now is the trailblazer of that, you know, being 63, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it, it, the stuff he's done and the supporting cast he has around him uh, is very smart and, and very in the know with, you know, with how to work with him. And that's what they did. I, I'm so happy, too, for Kevin Owens. I have a lot of respect for him. I got to talk to him afterwards, too. Uh but I'm so glad he got that moment because he was a guy that I first worked with in, in Ring of Honor. And I knew he was special right from moment one. I mean, he's such a great performer, especially a lot of people then were judgmental on his, his body shape or whatever. You know, but to hell with that, man. Like, that really doesn't make a difference in this day and age. It's all about how athletic you are, what you can do, how well you can entertain people. And he is an incredible speaker. 
in two languages, <laughs> in French and in English. So I, I got a lot of love for Kevin and a lot of respect for him, and especially like over kids and, and family stuff. We've bonded a little more throughout the years. So I, I'm so happy he got that moment against Steve, and he was the perfect guy to put in that situation, in my opinion as well, to, to give Steve the best outing you could possibly have. Well, and here's a little extreme life of Matt Hardy scoop for those of you paying attention here. May 6th, Matt and I are going to be doing an episode on Kevin Owens. And to my knowledge, to my knowledge, that's going to be the first time Kevin Owens has ever been covered long form in a podcast. So that should be. Oh, very really? Okay. So I'm, I'm excited to see what is inside the locked room that is your mind, Mr. Matt Hardy. And then we got the Ring of yes. Honor launch too this past week. What do you think of the Ring of Honor launch? And I know it was kind of tentative, but Samoa Joe, uh, FTR and the Briscoes having an all time great tag match. This was good stuff. Uh Oh, my God. FTR and the Briscoes was amazing. I mean, it blew me away. Made me proud to be a person who loves tag team wrestling, who believes tag team wrestling deserves main event status. Uh, Those guys killed it. FTR, they really are great. I love how they incorporate old school aspects into a new school game. And the Briscoes, they're one of my favorite tag teams of all time. And uh, I want nothing but the best for those guys. Uh, I love Jay and Mark. They're both great guys. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are judgmental on them from stuff 10, 12 years ago. But I just feel like one thing in society we have to learn how to do is also forgive people when they legitimately change. You know, like there's a lot of people, if they hadn't forgiven me whenever I went through my tough period, my turbulent time, and hadn't forgiven me, then, you know, I wouldn't be who I am now. So I I, I want to just put this out now publicly. I, I would like people to embrace the Briscoes, especially Jay. That's who they judge it on. Like he is not represented by that one tweet that stands out so much about him. He is a, a much wiser, older, matured person, and he, he's a good dude. And I really want the best for those guys. He's spoken out at length about it, too, yeah. and offered contrition on that front. And uh, one more thing, Cameron Grimes, new North American champion, man. Oh, man, yeah. Boy. Yeah, that made me proud, man. I was, uh, I was there when he was born, so I've been there since the beginning <laughs> of his run. Literally. So cool. So cool. I, I know that meant a lot to you to see that, so. Yeah. Good stuff there. Also, I just wanted to say in general, like the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, I thought the presentation was great. I thought Tony mm-hmm. did an amazing job with it. And uh, very happy to see Samoa Joe back. I actually saw him last night when I checked into this hotel, and there was uh, no handshake. It was uh, straight to the big hug, man. It was so great to see him after after all the years. So uh, what, what a great dude, and I'm so happy he is going to be getting this run too. Joe is legitimately a top 10 performer all time for me. Like he's that high on my list. I could watch Samoa Joe – walk to the ring and be thrilled that's, that's yeah. that presence his swagger his charisma his promo ability and yeah he's one of the most believable guys in between those three ropes that you're ever going to see so without a doubt good stuff there all right Wait, just what what a, what a great brother overall too just just a, a great dude a great brother that's awesome that's awesome all right, my friend. So when I conceptualized this podcast almost four years ago, the impetus for it was WrestleMania 33. I was at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, and I saw my favorite tag team return in an all-time great WrestleMania moment. We have had five parts of this Becoming Broken series where we have chronicled your turn into your broken brilliance leading up to this very point. This is the final edition of Becoming Broken. And with that said, it's time for our Matt Fact. So hit us with it. Matt Fact. Matt cherishes 
his WrestleMania 33 return. And how could he not? A legit all-time great pro wrestling moment. Let's talk about it. So we talked about in the first episode of The Extreme Life how, if you remember, this is No Mercy ladder match in 1999. Jeff Hardy specifically was raking in all the awards throughout pro wrestling, especially in the Wrestling Observer Awards. Well, it's 2017 now, and it's Matt Hardy's turn. In the Observer Awards in March, you finished sixth in most charismatic, and that includes MMA, wrestling, and boxing. Yeah, Conor McGregor comes in first for that. So to be in the same category as Conor McGregor is pretty cool, Matt. But most importantly, you win best gimmick in a landslide vote. Now, what you got to remember is this is not Dave Meltzer determining these. These are diehard wrestling fans voting you as the best gimmick. The same people that love six-star matches love broken Matt Hardy. When you hear that, what goes through your head? I mean, it's it's very cool. And it's funny when I was going through the notes for this episode, like I, I, I may have remembered, you know, winning those awards, but it's, it's crazy. Like kind of the, you know, Dave Meltzer's awards aren't something that I, I really focus on as much. I, I focus mainly on doing whatever I'm doing currently and trying to be as over as possible and trying to be as entertaining as possible and just as good as possible in whatever role it is. You know, if it's my job to go out and get cheered and, and be loved, that's what I try and do as a baby face. And then it is my job to, to be a heel. I really try and be a, a piece of shit and, and, and act and speak in a certain way to make people dislike me, you know, and hopefully I say, Oh my God, he has X-Pac heat, X-Pac heat, X-Pac heat. Uh, you know, so, so if, if I'm doing that and they want to see someone whip my ass or, you know, they, 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 they're legit uh, annoyed by me. I, I feel like I'm doing my job. So whether, whether they agree with that or not, I'm in the business and, and that's, that's the right way. Just to show so, how polarizing this is though, Matt, you also pick up votes for worst gimmick. So I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, but, but, th- but that's one of those things they're, they're broken. Matt Hardy is pretty clear cut. You either love it or you hate it. And as time has gone on and when it was on a bigger stage, you know, as woken Matt Hardy later in WWE, you know, and exposed to a more mainstream audience. I mean, there, there were people who really despised it and thought it was like the worst thing ever. Like it's going to kill the business. Like I'm sure uh, guys who were doing too many hot spots and not working a headlock for 10 minutes in the match, they said back in the age, like you're going to kill the business, you know? And then once it changed, like the ring of honor started, they're going to kill the business. You know, and now AWs are, and they're going to kill the business. You know, once again, broken man already was like, they're going to kill the business. You know, that's how that's how stuff is uh, generationally. That's what old people say to young people. And and I've always tried to be an old people who uh, changes with the times as far as it goes. And like you know, broken man Hardy was going to play to my strengths where I could you know kind of optimize my athletic ability, but then like you know do a lot more Broadway over the top performance art as far as that goes. So. It's always been polarizing since day one, since that contract signing that Jeff and I did. And I knew that wasn't going to change. And then it became more polarizing once it was on a, 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 a bigger, bigger platform. But I, something I do know now, for sure, there's a lot of demand. There are a lot of people that love it and that just like uh, they, they covet broken Matt Hardy returning. And there are people that just say, if that son of a, if that broken Matt Hardy ever stuff, I'm going to stop watching wrestling altogether. They just hate it. You know, so there's a platform for it. It's just reaching the correct people. So maybe it doesn't deserve on like an A, it, it doesn't, not that it doesn't deserve, maybe it doesn't belong on an AW platform on the television show because it is more sports centric. And I have realized that over, you know, the years being here, you know, but I think as like 
a miniseries, a standalone, the multiverse of Matt Hardy, whatever it may be. There, there is a place for Broken Matt Hardy to be mega entertaining and and still watched and beloved by the people that do love it. There's always a spot for Broken Matt Hardy on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. I promise you that. They're the best four words that any man could hear. I knew you'd come. <laughs> Are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken? Well, lucky for you, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is brought to you by Blue Chew. I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at bluechew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all of those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy and you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. Do you remember any veterans in particular? Like, can you name one that said to you, you're killing the business with something like this? Like, did Rip Rogers come up to you one day and was just like, Matt Hardy, you're you're done. That's it. Like, what are you doing? No, okay. no. No, no, no one has ever said anything negative with the exception of Jim Cornette. And that's just been recently. He claimed uh, he didn't watch it whenever I did the TNA stuff. He said, I, I like the Hardy so much. I don't want to want to watch this. He said they're doing that dumb shit. And, you know, they're teleporting, whatever they're doing. Brother, it's just entertainment. I mean, when the Midnight Express would grab someone for, for the Vegematic, I mean, it, that's not real either. You know, it, it is it is what it is. When someone shoots someone into the ropes, it's not real. And sure, I, I get where they're coming from. But at the end of the day, my argument will always be it's entertainment. It's never going to change from being entertainment. Uh, pro wrestling is pro wrestling. And and I love uh, straight up athletic pro wrestling. It's great stuff. But also, I, I love the entertainment aspect as well. Uh, so so he, he's the only person that's been outspoken. But he was very happy to work with him whenever we did a tag match. Uh, he, he managed the uh, – uh, God, what, what, what are their names now in WWE? Uh, when they were the – 
war machines before oh, uh, Viking, the, the Viking Raiders. The Viking, the Viking Raiders is what they are now, right? He managed the Viking Raiders versus Broken Matt and Brother Nero at an indie show, and he, he took a big bump for Broken Matt, you know. So, uh, Cornette is a great mind, and uh, he's very old school mentality, and he's also working a shtick. I mean, that's what he does now. He works a shtick, and it works for his audience and his niche in the podcast world. So, good for him. Manny Fernandez never came up to you, said anything about the. <laughs> no, is Manny Fernandez still on this realm? Is he okay. in, on this plane? I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from Manny Fernandez in a long time. Just was curious. Okay, because you know, <laughs> that, you know, that's that, that's a great a great call callback. You didn't go to a La Quinta or anything? I, I haven't recently. No, <laughs> I like to stay at the Marriott. Love that so much. Uh, <laughs> Rebby Hardy's going to a La Quinta in Secaucus to do a, a trading card signing. So there you have it. Yeah, big appearance for Queen Rebecca. Uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we're we're both out signing autographs that weekend. It's gonna be it's gonna be magnificent, intoxicating. Yes, so exhilarating. We are at March, early March here in two thousand. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I got to jump in again. Of course, you know uh, WrestleMania. I almost felt like it borrowed for Broken Matt Hardy because at the beginning of WrestleMania they used so many adjectives. Adjectives was a big yeah. thing. Stupendous was also a big Broken Matt Hardy word too. Just uh, FYI. I, for some reason, I don't think you're going to see a royalty check on that one. No, I, I, I don't, I don't expect that either. Just, I don't even, I don't even see a royalty check for my network stuff. Are you kidding me? Really? Interesting. The network was, uh, very brilliantly conceived. And it was also rendered obsolete when they bought the Peacock. So that is true. Yeah. (laughs) That was another thing. Interesting. That's the topic of conversation later down the line, I think. I did just get buzz from Dominic. He said he saw Manny in Amarillo, Texas recently, so he is still on this room. If you're watching, Manny Fernandez. Hello, Manny Fernandez. I hope you're well. <laughs> Matt Hardy brand on YouTube. Uh, don't forget. Uh, five-star review, please, Manny Fernandez. Five stars, Manny. Come on. Give me a Raging Bull five-star review. <laughs> ah. Five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time. I'm liking this Matt Hardy today. This is a good Matt Hardy. Anyway, from The Observer, Matt Hardy claimed that the Hardy boys had signed a contract with the Honorable Ring, that the rumors of them going to WWE were false, and the general belief almost universally in wrestling was that they are headed there. And Ring of Honor is just a pit stop, with the only holdup being their medicals. Is there truth to that? Is that Matt fact that the medicals were the thing getting in the way? Matt fact. Uh, Medicals didn't get in the way. They were no problem. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, so, uh, the day after our contract was done, we'd sign. Uh, a day after that, we were doing medical work. Wow. Quick, fast, in a hurry. So you mentioned last week you figured you and Jeff would end up in WWE ultimately, but after winning the Ring of Honor titles, is that the plan at that juncture? H- had they gauged any interest in you guys? I, I mean, in, in all actuality, uh, we knew – towards the end of our TNA deals while we were still on a contract, there was major interest in us with WWE. And um, because, because our TNA contracts had been very like uh, unsure, especially because Jeff Jarrett was there. And as I've said in the past, I love Jeff Jarrett. Now uh, he wasn't in the best place in his life. And he, he was, you know, kind, kind of giving us a hard time as far as negotiating going and, and what we're going to get, especially what was originally promised from Ed Nordham. And then uh, WWE came along. We'd heard there were huge interests, so we're going to let our contracts ride out and see what was going to be next then. We spoke with them. They gave us an amazing offer. 
Uh, we went ahead and jumped right on getting the, the physical and the medical stuff done. And we were immediately signed with WWE after we left TNA. The Ring of Honor thing was just a, a red herring the whole while. So WWE let you guys do the Ring of 100%, Honor? 100%, yes. I talked to Vince, I talked to Hunter, and they were totally cool with it. Uh, Hunter was my main point of contact all throughout this negotiating. And uh, this might be hard to believe, but I am the business guy of the Hardy Boys. As I've said before, in a matter of fact, that you know, I am the architect of the Hardy Boys. I, I did all the talking, and Jeff, trust me with all that, and it, it's best that way. And uh, I, I spoke with Hunter, obviously. I, I remember speaking with Michael Hayes first. That's That was my first contact with him. You, you mentioned that on the Michael Hayes episode, that he was the yes. first one that you guys spoke to. So, a pro, so your contracts end with Impact February 27th. You guys walk away. Yeah. Are they right on top of you? Yes. Well, my, my, I remember Michael calling, and Michael said, I, I, the quote, he said, I never thought I'd be making this call. He said, but Vince, is, Vince really wants you guys to come home, especially with everything you guys have done. Uh, you know, we've been keeping up with you. He said, he just he wonders why they keep chanting delete at these WWE events. Why do they keep saying delete? What does that mean, delete? What the fuck? Why does they, why does they say delete over and over and over? Delete, delete, delete. Like, what is that? You know, so, oh, what's the, hard, the thing the Hardys are doing now? You know, that's kind of what's going on. And then I said, yeah, we're, we're totally down. Uh, and he said, well, I'm going to have uh, Paul call you, Triple H. And I said, please do. And uh, I'll talk to him then. And I kind of caught up with Michael, you know, just uh, personal stuff, like how's life? Good. How's your life? And then uh, Triple H reached out, spoke to him. We talked about some terms and how long we wanted to go. Uh, and we said we did, didn't want to do this for – five years obviously we don't know how much longer we have left we're obviously getting a little older and we came out to a comfortable arrangement and they gave us an incredible offer and we went back to WWE making the most money we've ever made there for a guarantee so uh it, it was a good deal and I told Hunter I said you know I had spoke with the Young Bucks and we had this thing worked out where we were going we were going to do an interpromotional angle between TNA and Ring of Honor where we we're going to work with one another but it's still on the table. We can go to ROH and win the tag team titles and hold them throughout. We can drop them the night before WrestleMania, which is where they had already kind of had in mind we were going to make our debut. That was a month out. They knew that's where they wanted us to start. I said, so we could we could fill that time up and people, we could kind of portray the image that we we're going to be working with Ring of Honor as a red herring to kind of keep people guessing that we're not returning to WWE immediately. And uh, Hunter was down for it. And he just said, just keep me clued in on every little bit of it. Uh, you know, keep me up to speed and just stay in contact with me. And I did. I stayed in close contact with Triple H all throughout that month. A couple of things I want to break down from that. Number one, let's talk about Triple H. Just announced his in-ring retirement, got the send-off at WrestleMania. Anything you want to add on that? Um, you know, I, well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we we all have to retire one day. I remember I reached out to him after I heard about his condition and spoke to him briefly. Um, I, obviously, I've known Paul for a very long time. And uh, worked with him many, many times and had good experiences with him. He's incredible in the ring. One of the smoothest workers you'll ever be in the ring with. Really smart. Student of the game. Loves the business. And, like, obviously, I, I, I love this insane shit. So I really bond with anybody else who has that much of a love for it. But, like, whenever I came back to WWE those last years, uh, 2017 through 2020, I mean, I had a great relationship with him. And I feel like once he retired from full-time, being a full-time wrestler, and he was more of an office person. And NXT was really like his huge passion. And he loved that so much with every iota of his heart. You know, that was really special to him building that kind of from the ground up and creating something special. I got along great with him. And I feel like anytime he 
produced any of our stuff. He did some of the stuff with myself and Ray, and he had really good ideas. And he, he was really selfless when it came to helping talent, I feel like, especially once he didn't have to focus on anything in ring. He was at his best at that point. So I had a, a great relationship with him those last three years. I was there for sure, the best. I'd always got along with him fine. You know, there's times where earlier on people criticized him a lot for being political, especially in maybe the way he utilized himself or used his power. And and, and, and maybe that's the case. I, I was never a guy that was at that level that had to deal with that, obviously. You know, I worked along with him and Steve. And I know him and Steve butted heads occasionally once in a while. But like Hunter has always been good to me. In those last three years, he was just he was great. He was fantastic. And uh, I reached out to him and wanted to make sure he was OK. And I was glad he was uh, hopefully recovering well. And it sucks he has to retire, but I'm glad he's healthy because he has a big family. And I know he loves his daughters. Yeah. And we talked about in the archives, you could go check it out wherever you get your podcast on the Hangman Page episode. He was very much involved with recruiting the Bucks to NXT. And he, you, were, you were someone that he went yeah. through on that. And I'm curious, maybe at the time, maybe in the back of his head, he was like, hmm, if I get those Hardy boys on board, maybe that's a little leverage tool. And You never know, Matt Hardy. Uh, Everything is tactical. What did Michael Hayes think of the Broken Hardys? I, I think he thought it was cool because Michael is such an out-of-the-box thinker. You know, I, he would have probably reeled it in a little more, I would say. But I think I think he loved the concept behind it. And, and first and foremost, he's just like, you got over. So, hell yeah. I mean, that, that's what people are looking for, acts or, you know, whenever whenever you come up with a certain angle that is going to get yourself over. So so he definitely thought that was cool. It was I think he's like, explain this crazy shit to me. You know, like what is what what is going on? Like, how, how did you come up with this? You know, so so Michael was cool with it. He would have probably reeled it in a little bit to, to put it a, a little more reality based. And that's probably the WWE and him speaking as well. And who is showing Vince this stuff? Because there's no way Vince McMahon is watching Impact Wrestling. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know if he even saw any broken Matt Hardy stuff. He just obviously heard because it was so there, there was so much buzz around the broken Hardys at that time. And, and literally, I know he kept telling me, why do fans keep saying delete, delete, delete? Why are we getting these delete chants at our events? And they said, oh, it's the Hardys. It's what they're doing now. It's like very popular. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So you've got a signed deal with WWE right after you leave Impact. Is there any yeah. hesitance on your front? You're a family man. You're starting to grow a family. You've got a young kid in Maxwell. Wolfie's on his way at this point. Yeah. Is there any hesitance to get back on that WWE schedule? Uh, a little bit. And we spoke with uh, Trips in great lengths about this as well. And we were guaranteed uh, a month off of house shows every single every uh, a weekend off every single month. We would get a weekend off of house shows. And then sometimes if the schedule would allow, we would only do uh, two weekends of house shows. So we were going to have a little more time off. We we're going to have a little bit more relaxed, uh, relaxed schedule, relaxed schedule. And um, the biggest thing is we still wanted to go hard because we didn't want to be just guys that came into TV and, and, and didn't contribute constantly. Like we wanted to be the tag team champs or win the IC title or the U S title or the world title, whatever we wanted to be around enough 
so that we were like, you know, technically full-time performers. So we could like represent WWE and, and we could carry a championship and, and be like players. So that was important to us. So going in, we had an agreement that we would get at least one weekend off every single month of house shows. And if possible, we would take two off, but they, they were going to like monitor our schedule and make sure physically we're okay. And that we didn't get burnout. And that they were uh, in their defense. They were very good about it the whole while. Was there any hesitance to bring you back given the state that you left the company in? Um, no, there, there, there wasn't. And I was, uh, I was trusted at that time because I had proven myself, you know, I had, street cred and like they, they just everybody knew i was like in the best place you know the most professional of any professional wrestler that there is sorry brian myers uh you know i was really on top of my shit so um yeah just just coming back then uh, th that was never questioned you know uh you know which which is cool and and it was very important to me personally to go back there and be the most professional and i hated how i left uh in the end of 2010 because I just like that's I just as I've said about Jeff Jarrett, I'm going to put myself in that same boat. I wasn't in the best place in my life. I wasn't in a good place. And and I wanted I really wanted to to go back and redeem myself. And I wanted to be the most professional uh, WWE employee possible over the course of those three years and still build on to my legacy. That was that was my goal returning. And, and it felt special, like it felt like I needed to end that chapter on a high note, my WWE run. So things are going great, right? You got this new contract. You're the Ring of Honor tag champs. Things yeah. are awesome in the land of Hardy. Until they're not. Because shit's about to hit the fan a little bit here. So here we go. From the lead story of the March 20th, 2017 Wrestling Observer. The arguments about the ownership of the Broken Hardy gimmick voted the best gimmick of 2016 in the Observer Awards led to the Dish Network pulling the plug on the March 10th Ring of Honor 15th anniversary pay-per-view after threatening legal letters from Anthem, the parent company of Impact, and the Fight Network. There was a season desist sent regarding the gimmick in which they claimed to own it to not only the Hardys in Ring of Honor, but also to the cable providers. And then the cable providers were the ones that got cold feet. The problem is the letters were sent the day of the show, leaving no time for negotiations, which had to leave Ring of Honor furious about the cancellation, even though they said nothing about it publicly to that point i'm gonna stop there what do you remember about hearing this or what do you remember about hearing this season desist i should say and your initial reactions to that <laughs> um you know I, the way you painted that you said oh things are going really good until they're not uh my mentality never changed at all i, I was still in a great place i was super happy i know joe Coff and ring of honor they were uh they were afraid they they didn't want to get sued and that's understandable and joe Coff, i had great experiences with him the whole while i was there i'm a pretty i'm pretty easy to get along with so i have great experiences with most people i feel like because i like you know i'm willing to play ball with anybody uh so they were worried about it you know my mentality personally it was fuck anthem <laughs> i mean that's kind of where i was it's just like especially fuck, fuck the owl <laughs> well you know that was rebby you know and, and once again <laughs> to 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 back that up uh, I, I have, uh, I have a great respect for Ed Nordham. He was yeah. put into a position which he had no idea about in the beginning. And he was almost manipulated. Dude, like when I played big money, Matt, obviously, you know, I, I leaned into the carny aspect of pro wrestling. Right. 
And in reality, I am the furthest thing from a carny when it comes to like, you know, my personality and, and just my, my morals and my ethics. Um, but wrestling really is a carny business. And there were so many people that were like being carny at that time, trying to like, Hey Ed, you know, let us run the show. We'll do this. We'll do that. Hey Ed, let me run the show. Let me do this. Like, Hey Ed, let me run the show. Do that. You know, oh, I really don't know what to do. And then sometimes I, I think Ed would admit he got some bad advice. He maybe wasn't listening to the right people, whatever, because I, I was, totally set and, and planned on staying with impact wrestling at that time, you know, and then the Jeff Jarrett thing is what kind of like muddied the waters. And then we were unsure, like, Oh, I don't know if this is happening and it's bad here. If we stay, is it going to get worse once they get you locked in? And, and then the, the WWE thing ended up happening. Right. So we were going there, but like Ed later, I'm so happy. I got to talk to him. And then like my wife, once again, anybody that watches this is going to be a diehard Matt Hardy fan before it's all said and done. Uh, I feel like, you know, and uh, not to put myself over, but I feel like you're going to know about my life. You're going to understand what's going on, especially from hearing the real side of my personality. But my wife uh, is, uh, you know, she is a an intense Bariqua, without a doubt. And when she has a vendetta against someone, she goes scorched earth. She is ready to, she is ready to tear everything down, and she does not give a fuck. She is ready to scorch the earth. And that was the case with this anthem thing. I mean – one thing I got to say, I love her because this bitch goes hard for me. <laughs> it came you know? from a good place. Yeah, it definitely came from a good place. You know, but like I was being politically correct. I was dealing with things. I was speaking with my lawyer and my lawyer was sure. Like, I know you you talked about the contracts and, and, and maybe I'll wait until I answer this question because like you're saying does in your contract, did it state? I know that is kind of like in the notes for in this episode, in the outline. It said, does it state like you own your character? And no, my care my, my contract was pretty standard. It had some different clauses in it because, like, I you know wasn't completely owned by TNA while I was there. They didn't control my bookings and whatnot. But like my contract in theory said that you know, whatever uh, character I end up doing there, it would be theirs. But it also said they're going to provide the arena to wrestle with, you know, wrestle for it. They're gonna pay for it, they're gonna do this, they'll make sure to provide all these things. And my lawyer said, if you paid all these things and we had all the receipts. Yep. I mean, like, you know, we did so much stuff on the Hardy compound during that time that my, myself and Jeff bankrolled. I mean, we spent tens of thousands of dollars in this broken universe stuff at, at the end of the day, you know, to make sure it was good. And he's like, this is a case. Like I can, I can win this. Like they can't hold you that. And I felt confident about it. I spent 50 or $60,000, you know, with the lawyers all during that time. And I think I, I was going to go to court and I was ready to fight it. And I felt confident we could win. So did my attorneys. And I really did. I had a fleet of attorneys for this. You know, I, I actually played Big Money Matt legitimately in real life for, for a minute here. And and Rebby was just like, man, fuck these guys. Like, why are they dragging? They want to drag this out, make us spend money, whatever. You know, and then she just said one time in a Rebby rant, she said, blah, 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 blah. Fuck that out. And then that ended up being blowing up publicly. She said, oh, I'm going to get fuck, fuck that out t-shirts made. And, uh, and th those t-shirts, they sold like a we sold a thousand of those like in two days. It was insane. It was like we were pro wrestling tees, you know, it was, it, it was, it was huge. And once again, telling a story, Ed Nordham, I hope you do get to see this because after we, you know, after we aired everything out and we negotiated everything, we promised we weren't going to say that because I wanted Anthem to do well. They had all the best intentions intentions, and they did. They, they really turned TNA around. They brought it back from a, uh, 
company that was about to go bankrupt, that was about to go out of business and turn it into something where people could go and, and make a living and, and make money, you know, and they could still pursue pro wrestling. They can make a, a career out of it, a job out of it. And I appreciate that. Anybody who does that. So, so we did get it all worked out. And, and I, I want to say like one of the clauses I think was that Rebby can't say that anymore. She can't promote that anymore because they understood, I think how angry and upset she was, you know? So, uh, we love that owl. I did a promo. I, I maybe sent out a tweet as Broken Matt Hardy how the owl is beautiful and lovely. And I put over the owl real big. And we do, we love the owl. If you're out there right now and you're listening to this, the owl and the Hardys, we we get along swimmingly. We we get along just outstanding. Uh, so make sure to support the owl, support TNA, support Impact, support Anthem, support Ed Nordum. You know, and, and that is the relationship we end up reaching. And I would much rather be on the same page with someone than, you know, be at odds with someone. So so during that time, it, it, it was a very interesting time. But it's like I personally wasn't sweating it. I felt confident in, in what we'd done and what my attorneys had told me and whatnot. And, and maybe they maybe they, they would have won it if we went there. I guess it was possible. And I see where they're coming from. But once again, Ed said, like in some of our conversations ever, he just was probably getting some bad advice. And if he had to go back and do it differently, he would have. And the reason they ended up letting all that go and just, okay, go ahead. And we'd got, I, I also got the uh, trademark and the copyright to Broken Man Hardy as well, you know, dur during that time where they blocked it a little bit, but we still over overcame, you know, their, their block. And I ended up getting it before they dropped everything. And then when they yeah. dropped everything, they ended up changing their whole company stand standpoint. So Where, I, I want to get into that. I want because that's very important. Because yes, just as important as the court of law is the court of public opinion, yes. right? And by you going forward with this and not backing down from this lawsuit, right? In a way, whether you intended this or not, and I'm not sure if you did. You can tell me if you did. But this is you <laughs> leading the charge for a lot of pro wrestlers in the future here. Yeah, I mean, and that was. That was definitely part of it. I mean, I, I wasn't thinking long term, like I want everyone to retain their character and their name and their personality and their gimmick or whatever. That that wasn't in my mind. I was solely thinking about my battle and I felt justified and I felt like I was coming from a good place. And, and once again, I, I was correct in, in my beliefs. But like the court of public opinion, it killed impact. It was so bad. They were they were at such a low point from a you know, public support standing. It was insane. And, and I think that's why they decided to pull the plug. Like, Hey, like, let's, let's have a handshake. Let's work this out. Let's make things better. And then they decided to change. And in something that was very refreshing, you know, if uh, someone comes through there and you do a character on a TV, you can have it and, and go on with it. And I, it's crazy. There were a lot of people in wrestling that reached out to me and said, thank you for standing up for yourself because it helped me. And I got to keep this exactly. one of them being, EC3, you know, he, he was able to, to retain his personality because of that. And there, yeah, there were a few other guys. NXT. Yeah, there were, uh, there were guys that reached out and said, man, that's so cool that, you know, you showed so much fortitude and like stood up for yourself and, you know, went against the machine, so to say. And, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily that I wasn't, I wasn't trying to like, you know, stick it to the man. <laughs> I wasn't trying to stick it to the man. I was just really trying to stand it for myself. And that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of been my role in pro wrestling, especially for myself and Jeff. I'm I'm the business guy. And, you know, like if there comes to a situation like that, Jeff's just too nice and you just like too carefree. Like, oh, OK, well, we can't do it. All right. Whatever. 
you know, that's just kind of like how, how he is, you know? So it, it was, it was my job to stand up and I'm very happy. I had uh, my wife to back me up because she, she goes hard. You are the business guy, but you've also been the little guy. And I think that helps your perspective on how you go about approaching situations like this. So just for clarification, because this is very important to get into the nitty gritty on this. Anthem was asking for a negotiated percentage of the revenues generated from the gimmick perpetually as part of the settlement here. So my concern when I hear something like that is WWE is going to get cold feet and they're not going to want to follow with the contract. Was there any concern from your guys end that this lawsuit could result in that? No, we tore that up immediately, John. <laughs> when that thing came through, we, we, that we tore that up immediately. That, that was a, uh, that was a no-go. Uh, there, there, th- that didn't happen. And I, I, that was pitch. Um, but obviously, we, we knew that that just that was unacceptable, and we weren't going to do it. And the funny thing is, I want to say we were at the Ring of Honor tapings. It was the pay-per-view where we did the three-way match, I want to say. It. You, that's exactly what we're going to get into. So here we go. So on the anniversary show, this is where you get the season desist and Dish pulls it. You're facing the Young Bucks. And Rocky Romero and Tremperetta, the right. entire match, according to the Observer, is reworked 40 minutes before the show went on the air. That's when the wrestlers got the word that everything had to change and that every single thing from the music to no interviews by the Hardys on the air to anything related to the gimmick, which would have been played up huge in the match, had to be thrown out. Matt fact or Matt fiction? Uh, Matt fiction. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just like the, the thing they killed, I think, was like the music, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, we weren't going to use our other music anyway. I don't think we were ever going to do that. But the, the only thing that I really feel like changed is that we ended up coming to the ring with like outer robe zone. We didn't change anything in the match. We did everything the same. Um, maybe we did try and downplay, you know, like the broken aspects. Did you find out like right before the show started? No, we we knew, we knew earlier on. We'd had a few hours. I, I want to say it was like four or five hours before the show okay. that they got these letters. I, I just know myself and Jeff. You know, we're just like fuck it. No, let's just do it. You know, and and I get Ring of Honor's standpoint <laughs> without a doubt. I, I understand where they're coming from. You know, but we we were very rebellious during the whole time, and we had a lot of confidence in in our standpoint. So. um yeah, uh, the, the only thing that I really remember drastically changing was that we didn't wear our robes in our entrance. Uh, I, I know we, I feel like we still did some deletes. I haven't watched that match back in a while. Um, but like, I feel like we still, I, I definitely spoke like Broken Matt when I was out there. And I, I want to say that was in those. I mean, I still kind of did the character, but I, I feel like they just promoted us more as just the Hardys as opposed to like yeah. Broken Matt and Brother Nero. But the thing I was going to say, Shortly after we'd got that letter, and I want to say it was like out on, on the internet, whatever, a little bit before that match today, I got a call from uh, Stone Cold from Steve Austin. And he said, hey, what's going on, man? Shit, how you been? What's going on? And he said, what's what's going on with this deal with the, the gimmick? He said, you, you think about taking that to Vince? Like, I love this shit, man. He said, it's fucking different and crazy. He said, it's over like hell. And he was just so cool about shit, the way he was talking. He said, man, that's, uh, that's badass, man. He said, uh. So, so, so what's the deal now? I said, you guys are out of Ring of Honor. He said, you, you think about taking it back to Vince? I said, yeah, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, man. I said, we'll see. I said, you know, I, it's not really his cup of tea, I don't think. You know, how extreme we were able to go with it in TNA and whatnot. I said, but man, 
he, you know, said, oh, hell, man. He said, that's so great, man. You guys, like, you know, reinvent yourself and doing a new gig. And he said, and he got over. He said, I love that shit, man. I love out-of-the-box thinking. And that, that was the hugest compliment. What an know? endorsement. What was so great and so cool. I mean, that, that's been Steve, you know, the whole while. He's always been so cool and just, like, you know, like, open to different stuff. And, like, and, and he he's a big fan of, like, gets it its entertainment, too, at the end of the day. And I know, like, one of the first things he told me from a serious aspect, I remember when I would make comebacks, when I'd get the heat on Jeff, and, and I'd make comebacks, I'd come in, and I'd punch, 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 and if guys were bumping and feeding, he's like, man, just think about this. He said, maybe come in and just clothesline them, you know, and take their head off. He said, just to me, it looks a lot more vicious and, like, legitimate. He said, and, and the more legitimate you look, the better it is for you. And that's a piece of advice that I always held dear, and I always followed as well. Like if I ever am doing something where guys are bumping multiple times in the comeback, it'll be a, a stiff ass clothesline where I take their head off as opposed to just like a, a punch. And it always looks better too. And that, that came from Stone Cold. That's one of the first pieces of advice he gave me back when Jeff and I were still wearing tights. Wow. That's awesome. By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it as a heads up. What would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that. It was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments they're out of here? No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high. The interest you pay on your car loans, buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're going to get you a great rate, but if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free, and that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all? Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's going to make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's savewithconrad.com. Well, you guys are putting on awesome matches here. That match with those two other teams, it's a street fight, gets four and a half stars in the Observer. 
you're putting on killer matches everywhere you guys are going. The gimmick is over, but the Hardys are working smart. They're working hard. You're on a roll. What do you credit all that to? Um, <laughs> me, me trying to control Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me trying to reel him in a little bit. It, I mean, it, plus in, in, in ring of honor, like in those matches, the, the bucks are so damn good. And I'm still, you know, I got to put the bucks over, you know, I, I am buddies with those guys, but the bucks were so good. I mean, being in there with the bucks and, and Rapungi vice made it very easy on, on that evening, you know, because once again, we could do the stuff we could do, you know, to the best of our ability. And that there was a lot of stuff that they could do that helped add to the match where the match seemed even more spectacular than it was, you know? And like, we were working hard, but once again, as you said, we were working smart and I was just trying to make sure Jeff, you know, would just uh, stay very focused in what he would do because Jeff, Jeff has this crazy passion that he feels like when he's wrestling, like he's like, no, I have to give the wrestling fans everything. I have to give them everything. But sometimes that's counterproductive and almost self-destructive, you know, because like, obviously, you know, we're, Almost 30 years deep. In October, we'll be 30 years deep in this. And, uh, you know, just trying to reel him in. That's why, as I explained before in one of our earlier podcasts, I want him to do Brother Nero in the first place. Just because it would help him work a whole lot smarter and and get more mileage, get more longevity out of what he's, what he's doing. Because at the end of the day, he is Jeff fucking Hardy and he's a big star. And people want to see Jeff Hardy. It's not necessarily we're going to be disappointed if we don't see a whisper in the wind and a swanton bomb and uh, a one and a half through a table on the outside. I mean, they, they want to see Jeff Hardy come out and do the juke. They want to see him just be cool, be the charismatic enigma. And, and that, that was something I was really stressing on him during that time. And uh, with this WWE run coming back, back up, it was like a, a good uh, precursor to getting him in that mindset of like working smart. So I, I feel like that's what we did throughout, throughout this Ring of Honor run. Dude, all Jeff Hardy needs to do is stand there and people freak out. No lies detected. That's that's the stardom of Jeff Hardy. You know, I, I got some comments. I think you'll laugh at this. They're like, why do you always tell Matt how big of a star Jeff is? It makes it seem like Matt wasn't a star. <laughs> I'm like, man, that that's not what's happening here. Matt Hardy knows how big of a superstar Jeff Hardy is. Jeff Hardy yep. is an all-time great talent of his generation as is Matt Hardy, but Jeff just connected in a way that is, there's a handful of people that in, in a 20 year span can say that they've done. And that's just the reality of it. So. I, I mean, I mean, Jeff just has this unique factor about him that, mm-hmm. that makes him stand up. It's just like, if you, if you just had me on my own, you know, people go, Oh my God, Matt Hardy is so great. You awesome. know, so amazing. He's so popular, but it's just, I mean, with Jeff, it's just a, a whole different level. You know, and it's not that I'll necessarily get those flowers that that uh, a lot of people or some people <laughs> feel I would deserve. But I mean, Jeff is just such a presence in the big scheme of things, and and I think for him, it's been hugely beneficial and also hugely det- detrimental as well. I mean, it's just it's who he is. I mean, Jeff is like no other person on this planet. You know, like he he just does not care. You know, and, and and that there's people that are so attracted to that. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, I, I hear this so much from people. And, and sometimes it's for both of us. But they'll go like, you know, I grew up watching you because like you would wear your hair in ponytails and you would wear this paint and you didn't give a shit what people thought about you. And, and it helped me accept myself because I felt different or or odd or, you know, peculiar or like I didn't fit. But you just didn't care. You just didn't give a fuck. 
you know, so that really inspired me to, to, to accept myself and embrace myself and, and just be me. He hears that so often. And it is true, you know, but also with that same thing being said, there's also been times throughout his life where him not giving a fuck what anybody else thinks or says is detrimental for him. You know, it, it just is what it is. He, he's a very intriguing, unique cat. One more thing I want to say before we get into WrestleMania week here, because I want to keep running on in one of Rebby's social media. What's the right word? Um, uh, soliloquies. She, right. she, I uh, got to watch that soliloquies. She noted that nearly every notable attribute that makes broken Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy was developed by her in a waffle house. <laughs> Is there any, we, we, we had a big conversation about broken Matt Hardy there. Okay. Um, she, she did like, I want to say we had talked about wearing a robe and initially the first robe I got was long. And, and I want to say maybe the robe we had talked about, she maybe called out the first pattern that we were talking about. So there, there is some truth to that. The hair was definitely her idea, but then I was all for it and I was all down too. And, and once again, as we'd said before, that was in, inspired by, uh, 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 Sweeney, Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Todd yep. and um, then we we started talking about different aspects. I was the one that obviously developed the concept of the essence going from vessel to vessel based off true blood, and I wanted to act very primal. I wanted to be like an animal. I wanted to bite people, and then I also whenever I went out and started speaking like Broken Matt Hardy, I remember when I came back through and everybody in the gorilla position were like, uh, that was. That was that was good. That was good. That was good. And then uh, we walk out of Gorilla and Rebby Gretz and she says, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> I said, "You got to trust me on this one. You know, we want. I want to make this very drastically different. So let, let's let, let's make this work." Um, but she, she did. I mean, she she was uh, she added a lot to uh, to Broken Mat. And and once again, she was she was going very hard for me during that time. And it was in a, in a Waffle House where it was the last thing open. And it's so funny, uh, a girl from Queens, the last place she wanted to eat in the world, when she first came to North Carolina was a Waffle House. It was only if it was the only thing open. But then, like, she half-assed became a fan of the Waffle House and enjoyed it. And it's funny, that happens to people a lot when they come to the South. She'll never admit that publicly. Uh, well, you, you might get well? Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if she will or not, but I'm telling you. <laughs> <it's the truth. laughs> that, that I, 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 am, I am the beacon of truth. You should all look. That through. is mad it fact. Is yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, this is what you're here for. Ready? Let's peel back the curtain on one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. Here we go. Six days before WrestleMania, WWE announces the planned triple threat Raw tag team title match between the Good Brothers, Enzo, and Cass in the bar. Will be a ladder match. How coincidental. Uh, you know, noted ladder match enthusiast Sheamus and Enzo. Uh, clearly, the writing is on the wall here as to what may be happening. Really? Did you, did you think so? I mean, I thought so immediately, uh, but I, I said, well, that ladder match sure came out of nowhere. That our ladder match was on Saturday, brother. Oh, don't worry. We're going to get into that too. <laughs> no, so there's some red herrings thrown in here purposely. Of course, you guys have an immensely, immensely busy schedule set for WrestleMania week. March 31st, you're wrestling the Lucha Brothers. April 1st, it's Supercard of Honor against the Bucks in that ladder match that you just referenced. And then you're supposed to have a party, a tailgate party, 
WrestleMania morning slash afternoon leading to the event. And then you got to leave. You got to go back to Cameron, North Carolina. So as we approach WrestleMania week here, does WWE have cold feet at all on anything with the Hardy Boys or the presentation of the character? Have you spoken to Vince McMahon directly about anything? Fill me in on that. Uh, no, they did not have any reservations uh, about us returning. Uh, the plan, I, I had spoke to Hunter regularly through all this, and we were going to return basically as the Hardy Boys. And then uh, I, I know Triple H, he, it was his goal to get a broken run at some point. He said, you know, maybe we have, we have two runs here. He said, you know, if everything works out and, you know, you smooth things over with those guys, they, they, they really weren't sweating. And he said, which I'm sure, you know, it'll work out, whatever. He said, we'll figure something out. And, and, and do that, and hopefully you can get two runs. But the initial plan was to come back as, you know, a WWE classic, the, the Hardy Boys. is Matt and Jeff, Team Extreme almost, obviously in that ladder match environment. And, uh, yes, I, I had spoken with Vince, and it was a, a pretty pretty funny conversation. What do you have to say? Um, well, let's uh, go ahead and start talking about the Super Court of Honor and, and Ladder War, and that, that's where the Vince conversation comes up. Okay, well, first off, before we even get to the latter war, you told me about this during our infamous Chipotle lunch in Orlando, that the first <laughs> time that you have a conversation with anyone in the match is on the Thursday before all this. Is that correct? It is. Well, th let me go ahead and, and talk about how things worked out. So okay. our, our schedule that weekend was going to be, we we're flying in Thursday night. We're going to be working WrestleCon with Michael from Hot Spots. Great guy. Shout out to Michael. Shout out to Hot Spots. Taking great care of the Hardys for many, many years. And uh, WrestleCon's a great event. I enjoy doing it. Our initial schedule. We fly on Thursday night. Friday morning, we have autograph sessions all throughout the day. Friday evening, first time ever, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, the Hardys versus uh, the Lucha Bros, Penta and Phoenix. Then Saturday, we were going to Ring of Honor, which was a little bit down the road in Lakeland. Lakeland, yep. And, and we were going to be doing uh, an autograph session that day as well. And then that night, we were wrestling the Bucks of Youth in a, in a Ladder Wars match. And then Sunday, which no one knew about, well, Sunday first, from 12 to 5, we were doing an Evolve signing during their show, where we were just getting a uh, uh, big payday, and it was all of House Hardy signing. It was myself. Jeff, uh, Queen Rebecca, Senior Benjamin, Vanguard One was there as well, taking photo ops with people. And uh, obviously, King Max was there hanging out. So uh, we were all there doing that. And then people, we portrayed it like we were leaving then. And then we were obviously going to end up showing up at WrestleMania that, that evening. And then Monday, we we're going to be at Raw. So I, I spoke with Mark Carano. And uh, God, Mark Carano, who obviously he's not there now, but Mark Carano had started right around the time Jeff and I started. And one of his first gigs was like doing third party appearances and like either uh, being with the guys and supervising or either driving them to the town. And there were so many times where he would, you know, end up getting a car. Hey, hey, guys, I got us a car. I'll drive you to the town. He would drive us around. So like we, we had a, a pretty good relationship with him. Right. So we knew him from back in the day. And then we got to the point as time went on through all those years. You know, my first run there was obviously almost 14 years. So knew him pretty well during those 14 years. And we got to the end, uh, you know, towards the last few years, everyone's like, hey, gimmick, what's going on, gimmick? We'd call each other gimmick. And I'll never forget that day that uh, he goes, hey, what's going on, gimmick? He says, oh, we're back in business, huh? I said, yeah, we're, we're good. 
And he said, well, here's what we're going to do. And I ran this schedule by him. He said, what we're going to do is uh, we'll get you a different flight. We'll fly you in Thursday morning. And then Thursday evening, we're going to take you to someplace to talk to the guys about the match. And uh, none of the guys know you're going to be in the match. We're totally kayfabing everybody. They're not going to know until you show up. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> that seems a little strange, uh, a little extreme, but okay, I get it. I get it in the era of the internet and whatnot. So uh, we set that up. He arranges the travel. And, and I, he specifically did the travel because we kept like, we didn't put this in the travel department. Like writers didn't know about it. Like there was a handful of people that knew about it because they really tried to keep this contained. And we had done our part since the beginning. Like uh, for me, it was, you know, I, I just, it's very easy, you know, just kind of ignore it or no, we're doing ring of honor. We really enjoy ring of honor. We want to be the greatest. We have the biggest contract in ring of honor history because we're at the top of our game and we want to have the longest ring of honor world tag team championship run, you know, that we can possibly have and whatnot. And I remember Jeff was doing some publicity for ring of honor and he said, yeah, man, no, we're not going to be at WWE because like, you know, man, we had to take, you know, if, if we do end up doing it, it would take, you know, weeks and months to get like our physicals and cleared. Like, I don't even know if I could get cleared, whatever. And I remember we did the interview. I said, I said, why did you linger on so much when you were talking about that answer? He said, I don't know, man. I just hate lying. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And he said, God, he said, I just can't wait till the shit's over and we do WrestleMania. I just, I hate lying. God. It was so funny. He like he he was so remorseful about you know working the fans and, and he's keeping a teddy bear man. He 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 really is. So uh, we we fly in that Thursday morning. Mark Carano did the travel, which was he kept saying he said you gimmicks are lucky. He said this is way below me now. You know I'm a big deal. I'm talent relations, and he said but I'm going to do your travel because we're keeping this you know we're keeping this close to our chest. And uh, we we fly in that Thursday morning. Uh, we go outside. There he is. Picked us up in the car. They drive us off, and he's in the back. Said, "Oh, what's going on?" Hugs and you know, greet. And it's so funny, like in pro wrestling, like, when you work one place and and you go back, even though it's been years, it's just like you never left, and you just do business as usual. It's so crazy how that's happened on a couple of occasions. You know, uh, you know, for me with WWE and also returning to Ring of Honor, it's just like you're just so happy. It's like a big family reunion. Everybody's like excited to see one another again. So we get in the car and we're driving over to the location. And that day I had heard later from the ladder match contestants that they told them all the WrestleMania matches were going to be rehearsed in the WrestleMania hotel where they were staying. They'd rent out a room and there's a ring in there and they kind of talk about stuff, they game plan and whatnot. And they said, look guys, uh, we can't have it at the hotel because they won't allow ladders in the hotel in this room. And they're like, what? <laughs> That's the... That's the excuse they gave. They said that we we the hotel won't allow us to bring like big ladders in. They're just so big, like we can't bring all these ladders in the hotel. So we've got to go over to the match in a uh, back room garage by the performance center. It was something along those lines. It was like a storage area, garage slash area. It's an industrial the- park over there by the performance center. Is, is that what it is? Because I, yep. I didn't know. They literally just drove us in. So uh, they, they send them over there to go over the match. And then we're driving over there with Mark Karani. He said, all right, guys. He said, well, let's, let's talk about this. Like, all right, let, let's, uh, you, you guys know who you're working with, right? We're do, doing the ladder matches. He said, yeah, yeah. I saw, you know, saw when you guys announced the ladder match on, on Raw. I said, well, he said, do you guys know, you know, you know, Gallows, right? He said, you guys know Carl Anderson, the good brothers. I said, dude, I just, I met them on Indy a few weeks back. And so we had a great time and, you know, we we got along famously. You know, already we uh, we we were good. And he said, "Yeah, they're they're good brothers." 
He said, they're really easy to work with. They get along with everybody. Great. He said, they're, they're a lot of fun. He said, he said, you're going to love working with them. He said, nah, you, you know, Seamus, right? And he said, you know, Cesaro. And I said, yeah, I mean, I know Seamus. I said, I worked with him right when he first started in WWE. I said, I know, I know him. I said, I, I feel like I've met Cesaro, but I, I don't know him well. I've never worked with him. And he said, oh, well, they're, they're, you know, he said, they're both really, really good. He said, but he said, they're probably going to be upset. I think they think they're they're winning this deal in the tag title. So they're going to be shocked whenever you guys pull up and there's a fourth team and they're not going over. And he said, but they'll be fine. He said, they'll bust our ass and work real hard. And he said, do you guys know in zone cast? I said, no, not at all. I said, I've never even said, oh, God. He said, they are gimmicks. He said, they're gimmicks. He said, but they'll be fine. He said, just, just roll with them. That's how he described everybody as, as we're pulling up into the arena. And then uh, we 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 pull into the arena and we're in an uh, elongated SUV, tinted windows. They're in total kayfabe mode, right? And then we pull into the arena and like Dean Malenko, I know he's the agent, he's in the ring. And they get in there and Mark Carano gets out and says, hey guys, I just wanted to make an announcement. Now there are four teams, I'm almost going to do five stars. There are four teams in the ladder match. Let me introduce you the team that is going to be competing with you. And then we start to open the doors and get out. And I hear Carl Anderson, <laughs> Carl Anderson say at the top of his lungs, Brother Nero, I knew you'd come. <laughs> we get out and they fall out laughing. And then <laughs> and everyone ends on guests like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, and just we got out and everyone's like, whoa, what the fuck? And what about Seamus and Cesaro? What was their reactions? Um, <laughs> they, 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 they were a little more straight-faced. Um, but you know, they, they, they were cool. They, yep. they were ready, they were ready to do business and work. You know, I, uh, it's one of those things, man. Cesaro is like the smoothest guy a lot. Uh, I worked with him a little bit on a European tour as well. Uh, whenever we had these tag matches and stuff like God, he is so good. So talented, not sure what he's doing right now, but, uh, he, he is, I, I know he's very underrated, you know, because like whatever it is that, uh, Vince or WWE may have given him a hard time about going all the way with him. Like, I think he's super talented and uh, he's so good and so smooth and so easy. And Sheamus, I've always, I've always got along good with Sheamus, but man, Sheamus, it's, it's a fight in the ring, man. He's like, uh, he's like stone cold, man. It's very aggressive, uh, very animalistic. If you're in the ring with him, if you're getting in the ring with him, you know, you, you know, you're in for a fight that day because he he's going to bring it. I know you've gotten, you've gotten to know Enzo pretty well over the years. Was he marking out getting a chance to work with you? Well, yeah, they told us their they told us their story afterwards. He especially did. Um, and, and once again, I want to say this about Enzo and Cass. I am so proud of both of them. Uh, I just worked with them recently, as you know, in in Northeast Wrestling. You know, I feel like when they, it's very hard. You know, it happens to most people in the industry. Like, especially if you're WWE, especially if you start at WWE right from the jump. You know, you almost like see a little bit of the the lights too much, and you almost buy into your hype too much. I mean, because that's what they. You know, they, they push their athletes to believe they're superstars. You know, that's so you're not a WWE wrestler, you're a WWE superstar. And, you know, they give you first class service on everything. They, they drive you to places in limos and, and, and they, they do it right. You know, they do it big. So I, I feel like they got a little caught up in the moment probably once they first started there, especially Enzo, you know, but they're both in such good places now. And, and sometimes leaving WWE and like losing that superstardom and, and that, that feeling of being a superstar and like coming back down to reality is what some people need to kind of make them like rethink stuff and like, hold up balance. Balance is very important in this, you know, like you, you, you need to be a pro wrestler and, and be larger than life, but you also have to remember to be whatever your shoot 
real name government name is you have to be that person too if you don't have that balance things will go bad so um yeah it, enzo told us later like he grew up a huge hardy boys fan uh he, he said the the only time he's ever watched back the entrance of that match is whenever i posted it before our uh before our match in northeast wrestling just a couple weeks back he said that was just so special and i was there and i was so excited to be in that moment. And he was like, Oh, thank you for allowing me to be part of that moment where you came back. And, you know, it's just like me and Kaz, we were just so excited and hyped for that. We're so happy to be in the match. Uh, so big props to those guys. I, I really hope both Enzo and Cass get another opportunity to, uh, to do it on the highest level because they're, uh, they're both in really good places and, and they're both deserving of, uh, of another shot right now. People forget how white hot they were too. At that time, they were oh, yeah. immensely popular. They especially in NXT, and I remember seeing them. I, I've always tried to, you know, follow the business where wherever I am at, wherever I'm working at. I try and keep up with everything else. I think that's important if you're trying to make a career out of this gig. But like, I remember seeing them in NXT, just how people with, with every single line of their, you know, catchphrase and, and their shtick. And whenever we worked them in Northeast Wrestling, they did it again, and people with every single line of it. And we came out, and there were people chanting delete. There were people chanting Brother Nero. There were people chanting Hardy. There were also people chanting, how you doing? You know, I mean, they, they were into the whole deal. And it was so, so cool. It was so cool to, to see them see them work together as well. It, it made me happy on the inside. That's awesome. So you're putting together a match three days before the actual match happens. Yes. Are you concerned at all that, like, someone's going to forget a spot? Because this is not just a standard triple threat or fatal four-way you're working a ladder match here. Is there any concern that someone might just not remember what you're going over? Because this is three days in advance. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a long time out, obviously, to kind of be talking about things. But it, it was it was it was the right call. We came out and we got together a good game plan, a good outline, and we and we kind of knew what we were doing. And uh, I liked what we had. We didn't have a lot of time. And man, that entrance was so long. So they, they said the, the entrances are going to take up quite a bit of time. So uh, we didn't have a lot of in-ring time. So we were just going to make the most of it and uh, and try and play everyone's greatest hits in this match and have some good spots and, and tell a good story in the limited amount of time that we had. Because at the end of the day, what this was going to be about was the Hardys returning and the Hardys reclaiming uh, World Tag Team Championships. I mean, that, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's what this was about. Uh, I'll never forget there was a point where we were kind of talking about eliminating everyone, where everyone takes like uh, a, a big bump to be out of the match for the remainder of the match. And I'll never forget when Enzo was talking about it. He says, oh, what do you want to do, Jeff? What do you want to do? Murder me. Murder me. Whatever you want to do. Murder me. Murder me. I'm in here with the Hardy Boys. Just murder me. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite memories of that day as well. And uh, we put together a match. It, it felt pretty good. It felt solid. Um we both had a couple moments. Uh, so happy I got to do that twist of fate off the top of the ladder to Carl Anderson. We became great friends during our time there. We both have gaggles of children, so that's something that we had in common. And uh, he, he, he's, he's a good brother as well. And then Jeff had that moment where he was on top of the ladder and he did, jumped off and put Seamus and Cesaro through two ladders or whatever the scenario was. It was you know just another insane moment. Was it tables or ladders? I, it, I don't it was through that. We'll talk about it in just a minute right. here. But WWE is leaning heavily into this. That week, they coincidentally post you versus Jeff at WrestleMania 25 to social, saying that tables were broken. So uh -huh. we are leaning hard into this. 
Let's get to the Saturday event. Ring of Honor sets an all-time attendance record for Supercard here with 3,500 fans in Lakeland to just see you guys headline against the Young Bucks. That's truthfully what people were there for. That is the big sell of this pay-per-view. And is you guys versus the Young Bucks with the titles on the line. This is an insane match. This is one of the most insane matches of your career. And we will talk about it in long form at some point. I'd like to even watch this match truthfully yeah. back with you guys yeah this, i would too this is a four and a half star match the spot that everybody talks about is when jeff used the ladder to knock matt jackson uh off and uh, do i have that correct nick, was it was nick it was nick, or it was nick sorry nick nick, nick nick is the jeff he does the crazy shit <laughs> that's a very good point <laughs> um matt, matt is the matt and nick is the nick works nick out perfectly. The, yeah <laughs> um yes yeah, so so nick goes for it, it's, it's it's so okay nick jumped off a small ladder to a bigger ladder which got tipped over he lands on the yeah, top no, rope and did a springboard this, this is the spot because I, I do i do remember this very vividly uh nick is going up trying to get the the uh the the, t- the titles and i grab the ladder and i start tilting it over and pushing and there's another ladder beside it that had been there from an earlier spot and he gets pushed over he gets on this ladder and this ladder's tilting and falling as well and then he jumps off onto the ropes lands and then jumps off, does a swanton on the Jeff, puts him through a table. Insanity. Yeah. Wow. Who came up Definitely. with that? Uh, he, he did. He did. Okay. And I remember that that's one of the few things we uh, we were able to run through earlier in the day. We we had that day um, such a we, – we, we got to the arena. We had some time. And they wanted to start the autograph session early because, once again, that was a point where the Hardys were red hot again. And – there's been certain times in our career where it's just been insanity and we were red hot and there've been so many pre-sales. They wanted our autograph signing to start earlier than the other ones because they wanted to make sure to get through all the line. So we had like a limited amount of time and we were kind of talking about the things we were going over and we knew we had a pretty good chunk of time to do all this. I want to say that we had with entrances and everything, maybe 35 minutes is kind of like what we were allotted, but that was one of the spots that Nick, it it came up with. And and I like that, you know, both, both the bucks are, are great at this. They'll come up with like, Crazy spots, much like Jeff would as well. Nick, especially. And then uh, we went over that ladder. And there were a couple times we tried it where he, did, he didn't catch it. But he, there were a couple times we did it, and he did catch it. So, fortunately, when the red lights were on, he was, uh, he was at his best. Yeah, awesome. and, and, he, and he killed it. So, so it worked. So, um, that, that, that match was – it's funny because we had time to go over, but because we started our autograph session so early that day – we didn't have time to go over everything. So there were still things that we were putting together after autograph signing during the show, right up until we were going out that we were going to do. So I remember there were a lot of pressure on us. There was a lot of pressure on us during that match. Well, thank you for clarifying the spot because there was so much stuff that happened in it. And I wanted to eloquently describe it, but it is a must watch match. (laughs) It's the best match of that weekend period across any promotion. It is a true passing of the torch match from the Hardys to the Bucks of Youth. It is an exceptional ladder match that you should go out of your way to watch if you haven't yet. So that's it. That's the Hardy Boys weekend. They got a party the next day, some signings. Everything's great. Except for the fact that that's not the case at all. You are going to be debuting at Camping World Stadium, the former Citrus Bowl in Orlando for WrestleMania. So what time do you have to get to the stadium at and how hard is it to stay hidden? Uh, Well, first and foremost, uh, whenever we flew in, we had all of House Hardy at that time. Myself, uh, Jeff, Rebby, Senior Benjamin, 
Maxwell. We took a photo uh, at the airport. At the airport when we flew in on our way out, and we were all like waving goodbye, saying, "All right, thanks, Orlando. Thanks for a great weekend." Uh, you know, pre-planning uh, what we we're going to do once again to throw out one last red herring to try and you know throw people off our trail. Um, so we went and did the signing. It was five hours and it was intense and it was busy the the whole while from beginning to end, whenever we're at this evolve signing, it was, it was intense. It was great. And there was a point where we almost got busted because WWB sent a, a vehicle to come get us after this thing that was going to just stay with us the whole while. But whenever, and I think this was reported or a couple of people took photos of this. I don't even know if you were able to research this, if, if this was in the notes, I don't think it was, but there was a car that was waiting outside for us after this evolve appearance uh, at, at five o'clock. And they put in there like WWE, Hardys, and there were a guy, and and, and 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 I know that I know they like reamed this guy out afterwards too, because like somebody said, "Hey man, like, uh, so, uh, actually, this is how it happened." Someone said, "Hey man, uh, someone just took a picture of a car that's waiting like outside in the parking lot that says like WWE Hardys on it." I'm like what the fuck? They said they just put it on social media, and I remember I called like Mark Carano and whatever's like, "Hey, what the fuck, man? What is what is going on?" Like. Make sure to tell this guy to take that out of his out of his deal. Just whenever we walk out, have him get us in, and he did. But there there was a uh, a, a little bit of like a, an alarming situation where we thought that was going to get out a lot bigger than it did. It, we I think we minimized it though to a degree. So I don't think I've ever told you this. I and I don't think I've really even talked about this at length in public ever, really. But uh, I was auditioning with WWE at that time, and uh -huh. I was at the JW Marriott, which was where the company was staying for that event that massive hotel. And I was there the morning of WrestleMania and I'd be lying to you if I didn't look around a little bit, try to keep my eyes peeled just to see if I saw maybe a baby Maxwell running around or uh, a Rebecca appearance. I was just, I had my eyes open, Matt Hardy, but I didn't see anybody. So you guys concealed all that. You weren't staying with them, correct? We weren't staying with at the WWE hotel. No, no, no. no. I mean, that, that, that's why they, told them the hotel mm. uh, banned. Yes. Ladders were contraband at the hotel. They were banned from being in the hotel because they didn't want to anywhere near there. So this van fans this, were there. So this van takes you to the venue. No, it, it, takes, it takes us to our hotel. Oh, we, okay. were staying, we were staying at the Russell Khan hotel. And uh, but before we get past this, I want to move back sure. to, I want to move back to the supercard of honor real quick. So we're, we're there doing the Supercar of Honor. And as I said, we're going over stuff in, in the ring earlier in the day. And we have this long, uh, monstrous line. And we're starting early because they wanted to get through everybody that had, had pre-bought tickets. So uh, earlier in that day, I remember like right when we get to the venue, Michael Hayes calls me, I, you know, P.S. Hey, what's up, Michael? He said, hey, look, look, I know to call you because you're the like leader and shit. Like, don't let brother, don't let brother Nero go out there and kill himself tonight. Okay. Like. Make sure he doesn't kill. I know this is a ladder match, like, but you know, fuck it. It's not important. No more is WrestleMania. That's that's the real ladder match. Make sure he doesn't kill himself tonight. It's okay. I will do as much as I can to make you controlled chaos. All right. I'll start, I'll take care of him. I'll try and keep him smart. I said, but you know he is unpredictable. He might go into business for himself out there. He said, Oh, look. He said, I'm telling you, Vince is worried one of you guys are gonna get hurt and it's gonna get fucked up. Make sure it doesn't happen, okay? So all right, thanks, wrestling daddy. I'll uh, I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, you promise me? Come on, <laughs> fucking. Take charge. Take control. All right, Michael. I'll talk to you later. Um, about an hour later, we're talking about the match a little bit. Look at my phone. The man with three H's. Hey, what's going on? Paul? How you doing? Hey, man. Um, you know, I just want to make sure, like, uh, 
you kind of you're you're going all over Jeff's butts, right? Like you're making sure Jeff's like, you know, he's not gonna do anything stupid, right? Like, you know, tomorrow's like big WrestleMania, and we got big plans on that. Like, it, it's gonna be cool, right? You're kind of, you know, you guys just having a smart, easy ladder match, right? He said, let the young bucks do all this shit. They're young and healthy, right? Let them do everything. I said, yeah, of course, man. It's gonna it's gonna be good. I got it. I, I promise. We're gonna, we're gonna take care of them. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll be good to go. All right. I'll talk to you later. Start going over some more stuff. We're just going over the thing. I remember we just gone over the thing with Nick where we push, boom, boom, lands this. And just like, oh, man, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could go off the top through a table. I said, oh, well, let's just, why don't you just get backdropped out instead? You know, which is, I think that'll be easier. You know, it'll be right there, whatever. And then I see my phone again. The man with three H's pick it up. Uh, hey, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, we're just finishing up with this match. We got to go in a little bit because we have a long line. We're going to start an autograph session early. He says, uh, hey, uh, Vince just wanted to, to buzz you. He says, look. Look, fuck. Make sure Jeff doesn't do anything fucking stupid and cripple himself tonight. I fucking I know how he is. Fucking reel him in. All right. Tomorrow's WrestleMania. Damn it. Yes, sir. I got it. It'll be good. I promise. All right. I think. All right. See you tomorrow. Be smart. Bye. <laughs> I mean, that's basically. I was getting called. I was getting on me. Never Jeff. They knew better. I like, like that it went up the chain too. Yeah. <laughs> part about it. What a great story. It went up the chain all the whole while, you know, and they, they, they were going to make sure that, I mean, they, they were trying to make, they were adamantly trying to send a message to me. Like, don't let this motherfucker kill himself. <laughs> when so, did you so, tell so Jeff good. about all that? Uh, after the message. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I didn't want to fuck with this hat at all. You know, I just said, oh, you know, let's, let's be smart, man. You know, we'll get a little bit of you, but let's have some controlled bedlam, man. Controlled bedlam. Incredible. So, yeah. okay. So let's fast forward back to Sunday. Now Yeah, you guys have gone to the venue. They put you in a bus out back, I assume, right. In a, in a little tour bus and keep you hidden away. That's what they typically do. Yeah. Here's what we do. So we finish the evolve signing, right. And we drive back to the hotel and the guy drops us off. We walk in, uh, <laughs> this is, I got to add this. This is a good, good little, a good little note. So we walk in the hotel and we walk through the lobby and it's myself, Jeff, Senior Benjamin, who's on the road with us, making towns, signing all the autographs, making all the money, and uh, and and Rebby. And as we're walking through the lobby of the hotel, going back to our room, we pass Jeff, Jared, and a couple guys. And he's like, "Hey, what's going on?" And you can just see Rebby going, and she's warning to fight, like, "Say something, motherfucker, say something." And then he sees, "Hey, what's going on? What's going on?" And <laughs> I'm sure. In his mind, because he told Ed, he said, "No, they're not going back to WWE. You know, don't, don't worry about it. They're just doing this Ring of Honor. They're not doing shit." And I, and, and and internally, I feel like I'd heard from a few people around me, like, "I oh, see, I told you guys they weren't going to be returning at WrestleMania. Like, I, I knew it. I knew it." And I, I feel like Jeremy Borash and a whole bunch of guys were like together watching in a room. And I feel like whenever we came out later that night, Jeff Jarrett was like, because mm. it was almost like a very, we were like we were clashing at that time, right? It was like Hardy's versus Jeff. It really, it was Matt versus Jeff. I mean, Matt versus Jeff Jarrett, yes. you know, as opposed to Matt and Jeff versus Jeff Jarrett. Cause Jeff is just like, whatever. Jeff is just, he's in his own world all the time. And uh, we walk by, we walk by Jeff and he's like, Hey, what's going on? I said, Hey man, how's it going? And we just walk up to the room and I know that we're going to be there for about an hour. And then uh, we're going off to the arena. So I remember watching the pre-show on my computer. And watching the pre-show, like, holy shit, like, what a big arena. And I said, this ramp looks pretty big, whatever, you know. But, like, you don't really get a perspective for it when you're not there. So then they they call us uh, and say, okay, well, the guy, we, we want you to come now. So we go after, we leave our hotel 
after the show starts. I want to say, do you know what match we were? I want to say we're four or five, something along those lines. I mean, I was there all freaking day, and it was the longest day of my life. And and I just remember by the time you guys got out, it was like probably with the pre-show matches, it was probably like seven matches in. Let's see. Uh, you guys were the seventh match of the night. I called it. You were the seventh match of the night. You were after the women's fatal four-way. Yeah, but how many matches were on the actual WrestleMania card? So you were the fourth match of the actual. Yeah, yes, that's what I was saying. It was four or five, I remember. So we left our hotel after the WrestleMania uh, main card started, just to give you a perspective of the time. So, so we leave after the WrestleMania main card has started. We drive. We get there. <laughs> they had asked us too during that week, and we had done this on Thursday, I think, when we flew in early. They said, make sure you get hoodies. They said, we want to get hoodies. So whenever we get you to the arena, we want to sneak you in so nobody can see you. So hoodies, all covered up as much as possible. Just get some black hoodies and just wear all black, whatever. Dude, uh, this is a, a, a funny detail. You don't really think about it, but like we're in Orlando, Florida in the spring there's not like a ton of hoodies for sale you know it's not like it's not like a hoodie world it's not like we're in wisconsin or you know we're in ontario or we're in maine you know there's not a ton of hoodies going on the only hoodies we could all find that day that we had to go out and go shopping they were all pink hoodies so we all have pink hoodies that we're rocking which is so funny which is such a funny antidote to the story so we get there we drive over we put on our pink hoodies we like take our strings and tighten them up real big and they go, okay, here you go. Here's the bus. Boom. They take us to the little bus we're in, and they lock us in there. Nobody saw us whenever we got to that bus. And now the second match, I want to say, is in the ring. Let's say, okay, we're going to bring all the guys in. Uh, here comes Enzo Kaz. Here comes Seamus Cesaro. Uh, here comes the Good Brothers. We, once again, talk through the match. Okay, time for these guys to go to Gorilla. See you guys out there. They go to Gorilla to do their deal. <clears throat> they go to Gorilla. Uh, they start making their – entrances i want to say it was right before so they go to gorilla they're about ready to start making their entrances. They said okay guys let's go so and then we go, video of this by the way this was captured by wwe cameras yeah 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 they did so we once again put on the hoodies we run <laughs> revy has maxwell strapped to her she's also super pregnant with Woofy. he's doing a couple months uh and we run up these three flights of stairs i remember seeing Nikki Bell on the way up the stairs. Oh my God, Hardy J! And then we run up these stairs. We get there. We keep passing. And I remember we got in there. And I remember seeing Sasha and Bailey right after their match. They were in there, like, oh my God! And they're like going crazy, flipping up. And then we're just in there. And I remember seeing it was Vince. Cena was there. Uh, um, Shawn Michaels was there. And you know, hugs all the way around. Uh, hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? And then I remember we had a moment. And Michael Jeff was like. Oh, Jeff like has this thing where he like starts freaking out, being nervous or whatever. You know, I'm just trying to, it's cool, man. We got it. We got it. We got it. It's going to be good. And I remember Michael Hayes said, Hey, you've done this before. Like, you know, chill out, chill out, like let it go. And there's that famous thing. And it almost became like a thing of Jeff's where before he goes out to the ring in a big moment, he goes, Woo! You know, whatever it may be, like a yell or whatever. I probably that pissed people off in the hotel right here that I'm in. So he, 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 he let that out. But it was a very cool moment. And and the the will the wild thing about all this was like it was just so back to back to back. There was no time to like stop and, and think about things. And that's your first time seeing Vince, Michael Hayes, some of these top guys in such a long time. Yeah, 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 for sure. You don't even uh, get to say hi. 
and, and it, it, it was cool. It, I mean, Vince, big, big embrace. And, and once again, what just a, just a powerful character he is, you know, and, and he, Vince McMahon, you know, is the greatest promoter ever live. And, and I, I obviously am very grateful for him. And without him, I wouldn't be who I am right now. I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. So uh, I, I will always have lots of love and appreciation for him without a doubt. And then Michael Hayes, same, I'll always be grateful. I wouldn't be who I am today as far as uh, the caliber of professional wrestling and the caliber of mine that I have without Michael Hayes. So I'll always be grateful to him for that as well. So it was great. I mean, we literally saw those guys for like, you know, 30 seconds. It was great to share a little moment with them. It was very special. And even seeing Sean and just like seeing Sean and seeing and like, oh man, it's like so cool what you guys have been doing. We're so happy you're back. You know, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. There was so much, so much of that. And, and, and it was very true. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. So then the three guys, or the three teams rather, are in the ring, ready to start the match. The New Day come out. They're the host of WrestleMania. They are in full gear. Just one more red herring. They're in full gear. They say a fourth team has been added. They start walking to the ring. And there it is. The iconic Loaded Hardy Boys theme. It was, uh, it was incredible, man. Um, the new day, I can't put them over enough for the job they did there. And, and once again, if that, if that, I, I want to say it was Vince's idea. I can't be hundred percent certain, but whoever came up with the idea to send new day out and have them in their gear. Uh, once again, I was very, I, I made sure to thank them for actually getting into their gear. Cause they just been the host of the show yeah, and wrestle on the show. So you know, they, they did the gig, they got in the gear. And I mean, that made it work perfect where, People were like, oh, wow, it's going to be New Day. It's going to be New Day. But it was so cool when they said, oh, there's a fourth team. And just to me, it's so flattering that you hear so many delete, 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 which is so cool, which something we built somewhere elsewhere was so popular there, you know, and it, it, it taken the wrestling world by, by fire. It's so, so cool, so flattering, so humbling. It just makes me so happy. Um, and, and that was a, a really happy moment. And Rebby said one of the sweetest things ever, like, 
oh, it almost makes you want to cry when I say it. But like, she's like, oh my God, I'm just like so happy for you, and I can tell you're so happy, and and just all these guys are so proud of you, and you guys are getting this big moment. Like, I'm I'm so proud of you. I remember she'd said that, like she said after the match, but it was like I could tell the way she looked at me and the way she was reacting. She was there in Gorilla, you know, in this at this insane moment where like it's got to be too even overwhelming for her seeing all these, you know, insane powerful insanely powerful people in pro wrestling and they're like greeting us so so happy you know like a family reunion in gorilla and then like literally the music's hitting and that and that reaction but the new day they did a great job and and their reaction when we came out would just helped us out so much and just and added so so much to the moment i can't thank those guys enough i love all those guys and then we come out and just it's so different when you haven't been there during the day to like walk out and see the stadium or you haven't been there to peek out through the curtain and see the crowd and see like this, you know, this sea of humanity. And for us to walk out into that and just see this, I mean, it's like you couldn't see the whole arena is how it felt. And still to this day, it, it was so overwhelming. It was like such a, a, a sensory overload. It, it felt like a dream. It still feels surreal in many ways. Like, this sounds kind of crazy, but this is what I'm going to compare it to. You, you know, like if you've ever been having a dream and kind of like around the edges of your dream, it's almost like fuzzy, you know, and it's like, whoa, I guess uh, this is intense. This is crazy. Oh, my God. It's surreal. This can't be happening. You know, even though it's a dream and you're not sure. That's how that moment felt. It felt like fuzzy around the edges and it felt surreal. It felt like a dream. And I remember going down that ramp and it was just so long and there were so many people doing delete. And there's times like where. I would go like I couldn't see all the people, but then I would like focus in, you know, like laser focus on one person going delay, 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 or I'd focus on one person going. Ah. There, I mean, it, it felt like that walk as long as it was, and I started doing a jog because I knew we had to get to it because our time was so limited as it was. That that moment of that entrance, and I, I have goosebumps. I have goosebumps talking about it right now. That that moment, it was probably ninety seconds. I mean, in my head, I can see it also was fifteen minutes. Because I, I saw so many massive shots of just humanity and people like wigging out. And then I would see like those tight shots. People went, Hardy, Hardy, or, you know, delete, yes. I mean, I saw all these different personalities. It was just unreal. Really, honest to God, the most surreal entrance I've ever made in my life. I go back to WrestleMania 17 where there's a look on my face when I'm wearing my Freddy Krueger shirt is what I coined it as. And Michael Hayes said, Make sure to take in this entrance. You're not going to get a ton of these during your career, you know. And I remember trying to take in that entrance, and and it was it was special. And I realized like, well, it's a big moment. Like, who knows? A lot of people don't get a, a lot of people don't get one of these moments, much less multiple moments. And we've been so lucky and so blessed to have been given multiple moments. But this moment at WrestleMania 33 was without a doubt the greatest entrance I have ever been a part of. I was in the crowd. I was with a friend and it was, I had a feeling it was coming, but even so it was so overwhelming for me. Um, and obviously I wasn't alone. There were 70,000 other people there. It was very overwhelming for, but, but especially for me, Matt, because I've, I mean, I've told you at length, just how much the Hardy Boys meant to my wrestling fandom and, and me growing up and seeing the things that you overcame personally, 
and and being witness to that man it was like so fulfilling in every way as a fan and i can't even imagine the fulfillment as a performer as the person who this idea started almost three years prior to that this broken character that we started this series with laid the groundwork for this iconic moment i've covered the nba playoffs the daytona 500 every i've been in, i'm so fortunate to have been in person for so many amazing moments for me there are two moments in my timeline that i'll remember for the rest of my life being in person for the streak ending and the hardy boys return at wrestlemania it, it was one of the most impactful things that i've ever witnessed with my eyes and i'm not saying that hyperbolically i genuinely mean that and it was perfect it was perfect nothing could have been done differently that would have made this any better matt i agree and and thank you for those kind words of course um it 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 was it 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 was i mean it was a term that i like to say a lot it was practically perfect and i would even maybe go stretch further and say it is perfect even even kofi and woods doing the juke the jeff hardy stuff like in the back it's perfect and you're rushing to the ring jeff has taken it in jeff is slowly taking his time on the ramp and i could see you're like we got to get our shit in let's go so- welcome to my life John- <laughs> <laughs> we'll break down the match at long in long form at some point down the line, but it's a fun little match. Like you said, nothing yeah. super crazy, but the big moments come at the end where you hit the twist of fate off the ladder on we, Anderson. We had, in ring, we just had like 10 and change, I think, whenever I just looked over the notes, right? I mean, it yeah, was like it, 11. So, I mean, that that's not a lot of time to like build a ladder you know, match. Yeah. Sort of amazing classic ladder match, especially with the four teams because you've got a lot of bodies in there. But you get the great twist of fate spot in people pop big for that. And then Jeff Hardy, man, welcome home. This man who has had all these iconic moments. This might be his most dangerous thing he's ever done in a WWE ring or not even in the ring. It was on the outside because there was wind blowing up there. He's outdoors here and he gets on this massive ladder. He stands at the very top and does a massive swan tong through Sheamus and Cesaro through ladders it is a spectacle. You, Matt, here is the christening moment. This is why I wanted to climax our series with this very moment. You helped conceptualize this broken Matt character. It took you to a new level. And here you are at WrestleMania climbing that ladder and securing the tag team championship for you guys. Where does that moment stand for you in the realm of your career? Man, I mean, if, if you watch all the, the people in the background during that moment, just that the excitement and just the love and it just the energy is just off the charts, which just adds so much more to that moment. Um, you know, I've said this all the while during the, during the pandemic era, I don't think pro wrestling is, is pro wrestling without fans uh, because they're, they're a huge part of, of the show and, and the entertainment. And, and in that moment, the fans made it exponentially greater. And that moment is definitely one of the top, it's definitely a top five, maybe even top three moment of my career, without a doubt. I mean, just just considering the personal ordeals myself and my brother went through and the things we went through to rebuild ourselves and redeem ourselves, so to say. And then just going, you know, for me, going to Ring of Honor, where when I first started in Ring of Honor, I questioned myself, like, if I can't do this how I used to when I was 
you know, 20, 25, 30, 35, you know, can I still do this? You know, and uh, once again, whenever we do an episode with Adam Cole, he, I, I feel like just being in the ring with him helped me out a lot with that. Like, okay, I can do this. I just have to do it a little bit different and just kind of retraining myself to, to work a different way. And then going to TNA and creating broken Matt Hardy and, and the broken universe and, and putting a different spin on things and, and making it a, a viral sensation and, and getting over all of that being rewarded with that WrestleMania 33 return and returning home to WWE, which, you know, will, will forever be known as my home because it is where we started and it is where we made a name for ourselves. And they gave us our first true opportunity. Uh, it, it was really gratifying and, and really special. And it was almost just like, uh, things had come full circle. And for me, I was just excited to be back and I was excited to achieve as much as I possibly could over the course of the three years. And I knew what I was in for. I was very familiar with WWE. I, I know how the system works and I, and I was cool with that. It was very important for me as a human being to go there and like, if this was going to be on final chapter of, of WWE work to make sure to leave, uh, you know, leave my greatest mark possible and also be the best employee possible. I know we've gone a little long here, but do you have a couple oh, of answer yeah. a few fan questions? Oh, Let's do oh, it. Yeah, we're, we're good, man. I have plenty of time today and we can, we can do this. Fantastic. Because we got a lot of fan questions here for you. This is the pinnacle, man. Yeah, even, even before you say that, I, I want to say this um, to everyone who was there that day at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 33, we, we got so much love over that moment, and, and I've, I've heard about it so much throughout the years. I mean, there were people around the world sending me videos of them watching it at, at home or in sports bars or, you know, wh wherever they watch pay-per-views. I mean, from in Africa, in Japan, in Australia, and it just – it, it, it was insane. And just – the the impact of that clip, I mean, I, I just can't be thankful enough to a supportive fan base of, of pro wrestling and even more specifically, you know, myself and my brother. You know, I just I, I think all you guys so much like I couldn't have lived out my dream without people like wrestling fans supporting me. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I'll work the gimmick, especially if I'm a hill and give them a hard time. But like there's nobody out there that has more love. For wrestling fans and me and people who've met me in you know real time real life know that but i am just so appreciative of everybody that gave us so much love on that day in the arena and around the world it was just it was unbelievable you know it, it was really like uh i mean it was like a fairy tale ending slash beginning that wrestlemania 33 return and i, I just have so much love and gratitude for everyone who was so supportive and so energetic and, and, and just showed us so much damn love that day. It was, it was incredible and amazing. And it's one of the highlights of my career, as I'd said, but also my life. I mean, it, it was really a, a special moment because it was just like, you know, we, we did it. Like, you know, we became men, we got our shit together and we came back to the WWE and, you know, uh, especially me personally, I, I was a man after having kids Maxwell, I say like Maxwell is always going to be the kid that made me a man. But as far as my pro wrestling career goes, I feel like that moment of returning 
at WrestleMania 33. I was officially an adult man in, in pro wrestling. And uh, I, I'm very grateful for everyone who was so supportive that day. I'm a big proponent of not taking your phone out at concerts, at shows, and just breathing in the moment. Because yeah. someone, someone else will take a picture. Someone else will take a video. And I just, it is in my head that moment. I turned to my buddy Jordan, who was sitting next to me, and I just said to him, holy fuck. And just said, that was it. We didn't talk. We just watched and observed. And it was amazing. And Matt, it's like, it's the culmination of all those little things we talked about at the beginning of this broken series. The very little things leading up to the feud with EC3, the double turn into you becoming broken and then the brother Nero little idiosyncrasies to the expedition of gold. All of these things led up to this moment. And without one of those things happening, this moment would not have been possible. Yeah, correct. It it really was. It was, uh, I mean, all the stars were aligned, all the planets were aligned and, and, and things went uh, practically perfect all the way from, you know, the misfortune of Jeff breaking his leg, uh, which was the beginning. It was the catalyst for a series of chain reactions that would uh, have us return home to World Wrestling Entertainment and uh, that magnificent, exhilarating return at WrestleMania 33. And it's a life lesson in being okay to move outside of your comfort zone, being willing to do something different to make yourself stand out. Yeah. Because if you didn't do that, none of this happens. Then. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and that's one thing I, you know that I I would really stress adamantly to people, like you know, be you, you know, and 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 if you have something that that you want to give it a shot, you want to try something out that's different that you think people might ridicule uh, might ridicule you about or might criticize you about it, it's okay, you know, let them do it, let let them do you, especially in this day and age. With social media, you know, so many people are, are so hypocritical and, you know, they give other people a hard time. You know, you just you have to remember, you know, social media, social media, reality is reality and, and they do not reflect one another. Like if you have something you want to try and you feel confident in yourself, you have a good game plan, go do it. And don't be afraid to be yourself, man. We are all special. We are all unique and and do you. And, and once you become comfortable with being yourself, it will uh, lessen your load on life greatly. Let's answer some questions from our fans here. We got a ton of them. George the Third Hardy Ramirez says, "How did the fans' reaction make you both feel?" We heard a little bit how you felt walking down that aisle, but did you get a chance to talk to Jeff about it? And what was his reaction? Yeah, I mean, we, we were both just so extremely grateful, and uh, it was just—it was unbelievable. I mean, we we hoped it, it would be good, we'd be welcomed back with loving arms, but I mean, it's just like. I mean, it was just, it was insane. And just to walk out in front of that sea of humanity was overwhelming and, and surreal. And, and really when I explained to me, it was dreamlike. It really was. And uh, I, I, sometimes I have to go back and watch it to, to remember that it was reality. It wasn't a dream. It's something that really happened. And I know Jeff thought it was great. And <laughs> at the end of the day, he was just so happy. He was able to pull off his, uh, his ladder stunt. You know, he's a stunt man. And uh, I, I remember the first thing he said whenever we came back, he said, damn, man, I'm so glad I didn't fall off the top of that ladder, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it was it was great. Just such a, a great moment. He, and he was. He was very thrilled with it all and, and took it all in. And it was just it was really a, 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 a huge W for Matt Jeff Hardy on that day. Cowan's 29 
asks, how hard was it to keep the secret of your return? Were there times you thought the secret would come out completely? For me, it was very easy. All that stuff really is, you know, it's just, it's just kind of who I am. And, and it's one of my qualities, I think, you know, whenever I describe my mind as a locked room, there's a, there's a lot of things going on in there and there's some stuff that just has to stay there and, and it is what it is. But, you know, I, I know the more secretive we can keep it and, and both myself and, and Triple H, you know, and, and this was also from speaking with Vince briefly right at the very beginning, not the time he called to, you know, tell me to make sure to keep Brother Nero in check. Uh, it, it, it was very important for all of us to like, you know, keep this very in a tight inner circle and, and only let this be known by like a handful of people, as few as we could possibly manage. You know, the, the minimal amount of people that would know about this return would help to guarantee it doesn't leak or, or get out as something as something officially happening. And that happens all the time now. And, it, and it's really hard in the age of technology to keep secrets like this, especially if something ends up going, you know, into a travel department or a PR department or whatever. You know, like I said, Mark, Carino, uh, Mark Carano actually did the, the our travel going there when that wasn't his gig, just to protect it, to make sure no one spread the word about it. So everyone stayed really tight lip about it. And uh, they, they did a great job on their end, the WWE office. I give them huge kudos for that. Triple H did a great job on his end. And the only person that we told about it was obviously my family and Jeff's family knew about it. But the only person that I told about it and, and confirmed it was the Bucks of Youth. And that was after I kept getting phone calls all day. And I told them, I said, well, you know, we just need to be smart because, you know, I've been getting calls from up the chain like they want to make sure we're safe today because, you know, tomorrow we're going back to Maine. And, and you know, of course, the Bucks are like, oh, yeah, we kind of guessed that. And we said, <laughs> and they said, oh, hold up, in, in the tag match? I said, yeah, we're in the tag line match. Said, oh, that's so cool. He said, yeah, man, we'll make sure to do it. And I said, look, and you guys remember this. You guys beat us for the tag titles tonight, and then we go back and win the WWE tag titles tomorrow. Use that to your advantage. So you're the greatest tag team in the world. I remember hitting, I remember hitting them with that line whenever I said that as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we told them, and, and they were on board, and they were going to make sure to keep everything as safe as possible as well. Well, Ryan asked this, and it's great that you said that, and he wasn't the only one. We got several questions about this. How sore were you guys heading into the WrestleMania match after that insane ladder match the night before? Uh, yeah, we had that, and then we also had Lucha and Penta, where we had a, a before pretty, that. Mm-hmm. pretty solid interma- uh, entertaining match that night, too. Um, I, I was a little sore, but like once again... My, my wheelhouse is to kind of do the, the more fundamental stuff. I, I did take some big bumps in that match, uh, but I, I don't remember being terribly bad. And I, I just remember only the only time I really felt super sore or even hurt at all. I feel like there was a point where Enzo got thrown out on everybody in the match, in the WrestleMania match. And I remember taking that like over the head and neck. And, like, I think my neck was a little sore. And like, ah, I was like, that was the only point where I remember like, feeling pain during that match and like when i did the twist to carl anderson and that was a pretty big bump and i remember kind of knocked the wind out of me but i felt like i was pretty good during that match and all throughout that weekend i i remember jeff saying he was sore but he said oh if i stretch and and work it out okay i'll, I'll be fine so I, I think we were pretty good in the big scheme of things but i mean looking back at it like it was it was a very tough schedule for two guys who have a ha, have you know multiple bump cards full after you murdered enzo more yeah. Murder me. Whatever you want to do, murder me. Murder me. So funny. I love it. 
Uh, RJ wants to know, where does this comeback and victory rank amongst your other matches and moments with and without Jeff? I mean, once again, it's, uh, I mean, I think we would both classify this as a hugely special moment, you know, whether we're doing uh, a category that features our tag team moments or our singles moments. I mean, this is up there. This is a top five, you know, maybe even pushed up to top three, you know, it, it's, it's it's hard to judge those moments. They're all different, but this one was extremely special, and it was definitely one of the most special moments of our career, both as a team and as individuals. Russ asks, knowing WWE's recent track record of butchering, butchering popular acts from outside their realm, did you have concerns coming in about what they would do with the Broken Universe? Now, this is something I imagine when we talk about Woke and Matt later this year, yeah. I think month we're talking about, and we'll get more into that. But there had to have been some degree of hesitance of putting this property in this juggernaut's hands. <laughs> do you know what I believe in, John? What do you believe in? Reality. Uh, and, and I knew the reality of that is that, you know, Vince is going to want to put his spin on it. It's going to be different. I was just like, my, my goal in returning to WWE, doing a broken Matt Hardy run, was to get my creation on WWE TV, make it as good as I possibly can. I knew it was going to be limited. There were going to be parameters. Uh, and then I wanted to have a Hardy compound deletion match. And I was able to, to get all that. So I'm very happy and I consider it a success in the big scheme of things. I, I didn't go in with unrealistic expectations. So I, I was never disappointed in, in anything. Uh, a wrestling historian says, do you know who was going to win the tag team championship match at WrestleMania if you and Jeff hadn't come back? But based on what you said, it seems like the plans were all along. You guys were going to win it if you had been signed for about a month at that point. Yeah, yeah, we, we were, we were, we were definitely going to win it. I mean, I got, I got to think if we weren't going to, had to have been probably, Enzo. Yeah. Had to have been. I was going to say there would have been a possibility it could have been tomorrow, but I would have guessed it would have been Enzo and Cass because they were still real hot at that time, and and it would have been their time to do it, and it would have made them as a WrestleMania moment. 100%. So that it, 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 if you ask me who would have ultimately ended up going over in that match, if it ended up as a three-way ladder match, I, I would have guessed end zone cast. Yeah, me too. And and building on that same ask, did you sense any unhappiness from the other teams when they learned of your entry into the match? And how do you handle that when something like that happens? So you had said that Carano, Iggy, do that maybe the bar would be a little upset that they weren't going to win. Did you get a vibe that that was the case? Not really. I mean, it's one of those things. They both take wrestling very seriously, you know, which, and, and props to them for that. So that that's cool. Uh, once we got in there and we started talking about the match, everybody was business. Everybody was great. And uh, everybody was a pleasure to work with. So uh, no, it, we were all good. Uh, every, everybody that was involved in that match are uh, the utmost professionals. So everybody was good. And, and it was a great team effort. And here's our last question coming from Graham. And I, I save this for last because I feel like Graham, Graham who Graham. This is from Graham. I'll pull him up on social media. I'll put his handle over here. Uh, let's see. Sorry. I'm digging through all of our socials. This is from, we got even more uh, Graham uh, Robinheimer. Okay. From South Africa. Okay. So there's, there's a few, uh, a few that reach out to me. So I just okay. want to say, Okay. Well, we always like engaging, regardless yes. of whether your name is Graham or not. <laughs> um, but uh, Graham wants to know, and it's a nice way to bow tie all of this, Matt. What did Vince say to the pair of you after the match? 
we came back through the curtain and I remember he just stood up and he came, stuck out his hand, slapped his hands, each of us pulled us in for a big hug. That was fucking awesome. That was fucking awesome. Fuck. Great. Fuck. Yeah. We're back in business. <laughs> that was his reaction afterwards. That had to make you feel real good. It, 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 it was very, very kind of him. And, uh, it was very nice to, to see that excitement with him. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things too. Like I just, I know him, I know him well enough from just working with him long enough, you know, that that is most like, I mean, it, it was a special, I mean, you, you can't deny crowd reaction, even if, you know, the match is not a spectacular masterpiece. If the crowd reaction is there, you have more than done your job. And uh, that is what Vince is looking for first and foremost. So I, I knew he'd be happy about it. So I knew he would get that. And, you know, I, I just, the fact that we would go back there and we were given that opportunity and it went so well and he, and he was happy with it. It was, it was just a great way to kick off our return to WWE. And the most satisfactory reaction, Rebby Hardy, who got to be there <laughs> and see it all. And she yeah. was such a big part of that story for you guys. So. Yeah, really? she really was. She, I mean, she she is. You know, when when people say like ride or die, man, that is her. I mean, she she is she is the best. You know, like once again, there's people who can be critical of how you know blunt she is. You know, but it's just like, dude, I I wouldn't expect her to be any other way. And like, it's one of those things. Like it it, it takes a while for people to fully earn her trust or respect or you know whatever it may be. She she she's not a uh, she's not an easy person to get close with, but once you do, I mean, there's, there's nobody better. You, you wouldn't want anybody else on your team besides her. So I was very happy. She was there to, to share that, share that moment with me. And the best part about it is everything worked out in the end. You and Ed got on the same page. You and Jeff Jarrett got on the same page. All the talent got to keep their gimmicks and the Hardy boys got their moment. This was yeah. perfect. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was so nice. I actually, um, even to just mention this a little bit to, to bow tie it up a little bit as well. I remember right after I started doing Woken Matt Hardy, we were in Toronto and uh, I had spoke to Ed. We were kind of in contact. This is when he had kind of, you know, he had made the decision like, you know, like apologize, you know, like let's work out an agreement and let's, you know, be on the same page. And I would rather work together than against one another. And we sat down and we had lunch and, and ate and just just had a great conversation, and it was good to see him and back on the same page. And, and Ed Nordham is just a, a tremendous stand-up dude, a really good dude. Once again, whenever we first got into our squabble about everything, he was just being given some bad advice. He entered a world that he didn't really know or understand. He was really, literally, learning on the job. So I'm uh, I'm happy everything got ironed out, and I'm happy we were able to sit down and meet and mend fences and and be friends. And whenever we were working for AW when the AW impact agreement was in, you know, full force, we were able to go and uh, I, I worked with him. I saw him there and we're back at the hotel. Once again, had to have dinner and laugh and tell stories. And we had some, some amazing, some amazing stories to tell that night. And we were even laughing about, you know, the, the, the business battles we were in and whatnot. So, it, you know, all's well that ends well, in my opinion. And it's, it's one of those things too. I think when people go through the situations, people that, uh, are good people internally anyway. I, f I feel like they become better from it. Whenever you learn, you, you, you learn a life lesson from a scenario. 
And that puts a cap on our Becoming Broken series. I'm so glad we got to cover this in long form. It was one of the most enjoyable uh, strain of shows I've ever done on any platform. So thank you for being so open with that stuff. I'm glad some of the unsung heroes got their due as well. The Jeremy Borashes, the production team involved with all that stuff. You're right. They deserve all those flowers. Jeremy Borash. uh, I mean... And Jimmy Long as well. They both deserve their flowers. And I want to say something about Jeremy Borash. I want to add this right at the very end. Um, Jeremy Borash was so instrumental in that stuff. And he was so great. And I'd said that from day one. But something that I love, and this means a lot to me because I was like part of this creation. So, you know, this is an experience that Jeremy and I will always share together, right? So uh, (laughs) whenever Taker was having the Boneyard match against AJ – uh, Vince knew Jeremy Borash was the you know mastermind behind the production of the Broken Universe, and he knows you know I was the one that you know came up with the character and a lot of the content and the Brother Nero stuff, whatever creative. We kind of worked together. We had a great synergy with it. But whenever the Boneyard match was happening, I think Kevin Dunn was super you know hyped and like wanting to to do the Boneyard match. And uh, Vince went hard. He said, No, no, I, I want the guy that did the Hardy stuff. I, I need Jeremy Borash to do this. I want I want to get this thing right. Uh, I want Taker to have his input in it, like Matt had his input into the the, the Broken Universe shit. Uh, I, I want Jeremy Borash to head this up. So, considering Jeremy Borash, you know, was the producer and and he really helped us so much with the content and and, and the TV production of the Broken Universe stuff. The fact that Vince went hard for him and assigned him over Kevin Dunn to do the Boneyard match because he wanted it to be Taker's last big deal at a, at a WrestleMania was so cool, and that's also so flattering, and it makes me so happy for Jeremy Borash and and how high his stock had risen because of the stuff we did together. Well, the stock of the extreme life of Matt Hardy is only continuing to rise. Everyone wants to do a podcast. Now your boy, Shannon Moore had first name, sham last name, pain on his podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're killing it. Shout out to them over there. And next week we get back on track. We're going back in time to the year 2000 wrestlemania 2000 we've led our way up to that and we're gonna get a triangle ladder match between the dudley boys the hardy boys and edging christian and what is really the uh beginning of the new frontier of tlc matches that we're about to see so i'm sure you're looking forward to that one oh very much so yeah that 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 match was technically not called a tlc but in theory it was the first tlc it yes. was uh, the the beginning of the TLC era. It is the prototype TLC match, if you will. And we'll be covering that next week here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Hit us with those Ask Matt questions. Hashtag Ask Matt at Matt Hardy pod at Matt Hardy brand at John Alba. We want to hear from them. And we want to get your response to what you thought of the Becoming Broken series in this podcast. You go to Apple Podcasts. You go to Spotify. You go wherever you get your podcast. And what do you do, Matt? You make sure to drop that. Five star review. We'll not a uh, not a V one uh, three star review. Not a four horsemen four star review. A five star review. Yes, and we'll be dropping a treat for one lucky winner at some point in the next month or so. It'll be very yeah. exciting. Check out the House Hardy on Twitch as well. And if you're in Jersey, check out Rebby Hardy this coming weekend at that La Quinta in Secaucus and have some fun. Check out her stuff. Show her some support. 
And if you're in Greenville, uh, if you're in Greenville, South Carolina this weekend, I will be appearing at the uh, the big Greenville uh, convention on both Saturday and Sunday. Hmm. So I hope to see you there. Okay, good stuff there. So much fun, Matt. Thank you for being so open with this episode. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, th- this was a blast, man. Um, it was uh, it, it was it was really fun to do. Uh, it's cathartic in many ways just to to revisit these moments and uh, it just kind of relive them again. And it really was one of the most special moments and and times of my career. And when I said that last week, uh, you know, like the whole broken universe, you know, specifically like the period from like deleter decay leading all the way to WrestleMania with the whole expedition of gold really was the funnest time of my careers. I mean, we did so many different unorthodox things and uh, we were, you know, painting outside the lines and everything was like working, you know, everything was clicking and we were hitting homers and grand slams. So it was so much fun. And once again, uh, anyone who has stayed this deep into the podcast, I know we're uh, getting ready to go over the two hour mark right about now. Uh, I am happy that you've been here and thank you for staying with us. And I hope you've been entertained and, uh, I'm finally kind of getting the hang of this podcast gig. I feel like so, uh, today has been a good day. Thank you very much for joining us and make sure every Friday, Tune in to the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And I promise you, I'm going to pour out through the screen, through this uh, audio, through this microphone. I'm going to give you my heart and soul and every fiber of my essence, you know, to uh, to, to entertain you and tell you a story and, and be open and honest and give a full disclosure and be insightful. That is my goal. Thank you guys for joining us. I appreciate it. The words have been spoken. Matt Hardy has been broken. We'll see you next time here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy.